When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. Disturbing video shows the final moments of Jordan Neely's life. Police say the 30-year-old man who was experiencing homelessness died after getting choked on an F train. Neely threw his jacket to the ground, and that's when a 24-year-old man put Neely in a chokehold. He was pronounced dead at the hospital. The medical examiner says that Neely's death has been ruled a homicide due to compression to his neck. The Manhattan District Attorney's Office says that it is conducting a rigorous investigation. James Comer says that he's issued a subpoena to the FBI in a letter that he and Senator Chuck Grassley have sent to Attorney General Merrick Garland and FBI Director Chris Wray. They write that a, quote, highly credible whistleblower says the Justice Department and FBI have a form that, quote, describes an alleged criminal scheme involving then-President Biden and a former national relating to the exchange of money for policy decisions. It's been alleged that the document includes a precise description of how the alleged criminal scheme was employed as well as its purpose. When Joe Biden came into office, he terminated every successful border policy that was put into place, including remain in Mexico, one of the best of them all, deliberately throwing open the borders and instituting catch and release and resettling untold millions and millions of illegal aliens into the United States. They're now your neighbors. Congratulations. Just a silly face I'm going through And just because I call you up Don't get me wrong Don't think you got it made I'm not in love No, no So it turns out the death of the man choked on the subway be ruled as a homicide as the investigation continues. You know the story, Jordan Neely, and he's an African-American young man who I guess would do Michael Michael Jackson impersonations. He'd moonwalk, he'd sing, he'd dance. That was his shtick, be on the subway platforms and 
doing his Michael Jackson routine. But he was nuts. And one day he started harassing a bunch of folks there on the subway, at the subway, on the platform. And some good Samaritan, if you will, some New Yorker who actually cared, jumped in, physically handled the guy, put him in a headlock, I guess, and Jordan nearly died. And he said a couple of days ago, I referred to the guy who did this as a hero. I was half joking and half not. And now it turns out this guy who did that is looking at prison time. At the very least, looks like he's going to be arrested. Homicide is going to be the charge. Now, of course, you read all these stories. You know, Jordan Neely, they, they do this. The press does that. You know, you get guys like George Floyd. We turn the country upside down for George Floyd. And good luck finding a bigger scumbag. Now, that didn't mean the man deserved to be murdered by that Minnesota Minneapolis cop. Me and Bernie were very, very happy, in fact, that Minneapolis cop went to prison for a long time. He deserved to. He killed George Floyd. There's no doubt about it. But to put statues up of George Floyd in Brooklyn and all across this country, to allow what happened in the summer of 2020, which on any given night in one of our major cities, New York, Atlanta, Los Angeles, Chicago, was twice as bad as January 6th. Twice as bad. But, of course, white people, politicians, January 6th, that's our home, that's our capital. Nonsense. One person died that day. One, Ashley Babbitt, no cops, Stephen A. Smith. One person, innocent Ashley Babbitt, murdered, by the way, ironically, by a black cop. But, as far as I know, that black cop never suffered any repercussions. There were no protests. Not like here. So Jordan Neely ends up dead, and there are people all over the city, and I encountered a bunch yesterday, white, black, you name it, yelling and screaming, oh, my God, how could they do this? Same thing like Floyd. Floyd was arrested nine times. He put a gun in a pregnant woman's stomach. He did not deserve to die in the fashion that he did, but he was a lowlife. Now you're going to read about this guy, Jordan Neely. He's going to go from some from psycho, harassing people on the train, to, you know, an altar boy. Well, you know, it turns out that in 2007, his mother, Christy Neely, was tragically murdered. That's true. He's never been the same. That was 16 years ago. He's never been the same. He never got the treatment he needed for his issues. And all this is probably true. That doesn't mean, I I know folks who lost parents tragically, some murdered, some not. My wife, for example, my beautiful wife, Danielle, she was eight years old. And her mother and her mother's boyfriend decided to leave New York, move cross-country, to Bakersfield, California. They wanted to take Danielle with them. Danielle was not having it. She yelled and cried and ended up staying with her grandparents. And on that trip to California, Danielle's mother and boyfriend both died horrifically in a car crash. She lost her mom at eight. Guess what? She's a lawyer, a big-time lawyer. A wife, a mother, started a charity, 
a respected member of our community. She's not doing Michael Jackson tunes on a freaking subway platform, harassing people every day. So I grow a little tired of every excuse in the book for people to just lose it. So I'm telling you, I didn't know Jordan Neely. Never heard of his name three or four days ago, but he's going to become the next great American, even though, even though odds are he wasn't. Let's go to our news desk. Noam Layden is uh, standing by. Noam, what is the latest with this story? I don't know. You know, again, I, I jokingly said the guy's a hero a couple of days ago, but he wasn't joking. But now, of course, it's going the complete other way. What are your thoughts on this whole thing? Well, so you have this uh, 24-year-old Marine who uh, I'm guessing thought he was protecting the other riders from this 30-year-old. Well, that's not, 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 not that's what he thought. That's what he did. Now, I think right. the, the guy's black, obviously, because if this Marine that killed Jordan Neely was white, as loud and as annoying as those protests were yesterday, they'd be exponentially worse if this Marine was actually white. We know that. Well, it looks like the Marine is white. Oh, he is. Yeah, yeah he's, he's white. He is white, okay. But, you know, there's two other guys involved here, too. There's no, I don't video. know. Yeah, they're there's on three people. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're all holding him. He's got him in the chokehold, but there's two other guys trying to restrain him. He's on the floor of the subway well, What car. was this guy nearly doing that he needed three people, including an ex-Marine, to he, control him? He, well, he's a big guy. He, but the, Well, the, the Marine is on his back, and yeah. he's holding him. That's what was the guy he, doing? He was um, yelling and screaming. He was panhandling. And so you had, you know, this is what's going to be the issue when the DA takes up or doesn't take up this case is that there are some eyewitnesses who said they were completely threatened by this guy and they were happy that this Marine stepped in. That's all you need. And then you had others, though, who said they did not see this guy it doesn't as matter. a threat. It doesn't matter. As long as you've got somebody out there and you've got a few people even better that said, this guy scared me, he threatened me, that's all you need. So if they interview 10 people and 10 people say, I don't know, the guy was fine. That's one thing. But if you interview 10 and five say, this guy scared the daylights out of me, now you got a case. Now, you know the DA. You know who he is, right? So you know what he's going to try to do here is is take out this Marine and make an example of him. And here we go, George Floyd part two. But it does sound to me if he scared a couple of people like that guy was trying to help. It's unfortunate, like Eric Garner. Remember Eric Garner? He was the guy that said, stop selling cigarettes. And he kept selling cigarettes, and the cops had to put him in a chokehold and a headlock and take him down to the floor, and he died. But he was a really fat guy in horrible shape, horrible physical shape. If the cop had done the same thing to me that day, I wouldn't have died. And now that cop, of course, has been, I guess he was suspended, kicked off the force, Daniel Pantaleone, something like that. I forget his name. But it turned out that the reason why Eric Garner died was, in my opinion, my opinion, not because of police brutality, because he was a fat, out-of-shape criminal is what he was. Again, didn't deserve to die just like George Floyd or maybe Jordan Neely. But when do we get to the point where we stop maligning the good guys, victimizing the bad guys because... What I'm, what I'm learning from this now is that I know Dominic Carter said this to Frank Morano um, off the air. But if I'm now on a subway platform and I see some, some crazy person like Jordan Neely scaring somebody, you don't know me, folks, but trust me. And I think Lou and Nolan both attest to this. 
I would physically do something. I would. But I got to tell you, kind of like the cops, maybe not. Because if I do something in the spirit of help to protect my fellow New Yorkers and something goes awry, then I'm the bad guy. You're screwed. I'm the bad guy. No good deed goes unpunished. Exactly. It goes back to that. It Hasn't that become the moral of this story? Not that some psycho died on a subway platform who was homeless and scary. Not that. But that there was an actual New Yorker or a couple of guys who decided to take matters in their own hands and protect other New Yorkers. And now they're the villains. Because this guy nearly happened to die. This is what the situation has come to now, down in the subways. You're, you, you're screwed either way. This guy's screaming at riders, screaming at riders, making them And that's scary. I mean, I got to tell you, my son Gabriel takes the train, Lewis and Nome. He's 14 years old. He has seen that. Guy yelling. Guy never touched him. Didn't show him his penis. Just yelling. Gabe was scared to death. So if I'm going to walk over and say, hey, keep it down. And eventually it turns into something physical, and the guy dies, and now I'm a bad guy and charged with homicide. I'm just not going to do anything. Whether it's a guy yelling, maybe it's a guy committing rape. That happens in broad daylight right in public. Maybe it's a guy with a knife. Why would I do anything? Why? When I got to face garbage like this. The bodega owner. Look yeah, that. What Jose Alba. That poor bastard went to Rikers. Yeah, defended his business. <laughs> so I don't know every single particular in this story, but I know this because I've seen this movie before. It's called the George Floyd movie. I know what the media does. I know what liberal DAs and liberal AGs do. And what it says is, is this guy who probably did, probably did act in heroic fashion is going to become public enemy number two behind George Floyd, and that continues to be the sad legacy of our country, which continues to go into the toilet. And that's my editorial. Any thoughts, Noam? I don't have any thoughts. I can tell you, because nobody cares about my thoughts on this, but I can tell you that last night the medical examiner uh, put out tweets suggesting that if you saw this, uh, they want to hear from you as they either build a case or don't build a case against this Marine. Well, they're trying to build a case. They'd love to build a case. You know that. They'd love to build a case. Right? I don't know about that. Of course but, you know uh, that. Well, anybody you don't know about that? You, you don't know Alvin Bragg? You don't know Letitia yes, James? No, I saw some White of guy stories. kills a black guy? Yeah. Some innocent, lovable black guy singing Michael Jackson tunes. Not some crazy, homeless guy harassing people. Some beautiful, angelic black guy whose mother was murdered 16 years ago. And he's singing Michael Jackson tunes. And some white Marine just walks over for no reason and kills him. That's going to be their case. Well, they'll have these 44 prior arrests. Most of them, by the way, 44. 44. That's not right. 44, most of them, by the way, down on the subway. Forty. I mean, he probably should have never been allowed back in the subway. Since. Right. <laughs> so he's got 44 priors. That'll be part of the case. That's even more than George Floyd. I think he had nine. And this is the person that the streets in New York City were filled with yelling protesters all day yesterday. Promises to be worse today. 44 priors. That's insane. Maybe more insane than actually Jordan Neely. No? That's the story here. How does a guy with 44 priors, the majority of those on the subway, 
How was he allowed to be back on the subway? And how in a million years would you even question, even question whether or not this guy, this guy did something deserving of physical retribution? How would you even question that with 44 priors and a ton of those on the subway? How? Well, now I'm in a really bad mood. That's it. Now Rob Baldwin's suspended. <laughs> well, somebody's got to take the heat. There's always got to be somebody in the crosshairs. Well, the audience, they get so caught up in this. Um, it's uh, the, uh, I guess, um, well, how would you, what would you call it? Like a soap opera type of thing, you know. The back and forth every day, the suspensions. Curtis, yesterday, for example, he's calling for Frank Morano to be suspended. I don't oh, even really? Remember, yeah, and I don't even is, remember why. Why is that? I forgot that one, too. What did Frank do? Well, he was on the show, for starters. <laughs> Curtis gets very jealous of anybody else, but he's up to me. You know that. Curtis wants me all to himself. But Frank said something. I don't know. Eric Adams. Something with the mayor. I think. I've forgotten. Backing somebody that he doesn't like. Yeah, back. Uh, or, oh, maybe Jim Otto. Backing oh, for the buildings commissioner. It's starting to come back. Yeah, right? replacing Eric Ulrich. <laughs> I don't know. It's some nebulous reason. No, some nonsense. <laughs> so he wants him suspended. Of course, I, I actually yesterday intimated that uh, there's one indefinite suspension. I intimated it, and now people are like, you got to tell us why. No, I stop it. How many times do I have to tell you the same thing? I don't have to tell you anything. When somebody gets suspended and or fired at your bank, at your restaurant, at your office, do you call me? There's no difference. No difference. If somebody is suspended or kicked off the show, believe me, I've got good reason. And all I need is my reason. That's it. That's it. Now, every once in a while, we do have to go to the commission, which was the case with Curtis, which we did reinstate Curtis after a very lengthy two-week suspension. But now, once Curtis asked for the Frank Morano suspension, now we have no choice but to go back to the commission. And the commission, just so you know, exists of five people. Me, obviously. Lou Rafino, Justin Ellick, Bo Deedle, and uh, who's the fifth? Oh, no, I guess. No, it's not Noam. Who is it? Well, I thought Noam was. Yeah, it is Noam, yeah. yeah. Yeah, those are the five. That's the commission. He's trying to get off it, I'm sure. He <laughs> Everybody he's, wants off it, but they're not allowed to leave. They can't the, leave. I just killed yeah. him. I'm the, the city holder council. of the list. <laughs> yeah. right. I have the list. I have two names on it. I don't think these two are ever going to get off it. The well, two, one know. of them well, we're not going to discuss right. because right. I still like the guy. Right. I really do. And it's unfortunate that it got to the point where I had to do what I had to do. But I did it for the betterment of the show. He just wasn't bringing anything to this program, anything. And I'm tired of making excuses for people who you like, you don't like when it comes to productivity. All we care about at this station is ratings and revenue. We don't care who you like. We don't care. So who's the other name besides? Uh, Greg Kelly. Oh, yeah, he's suspended. Yeah, he's not coming back. Well, now Rob Bartlett's suspended. So that's three names. Let me put that Well, he's suspended Rob Bartlett because he's fat and he's stupid. But that's not even why. (laughs) That's not even why. He's suspended because he sent Lewis a text which really drew my ire. (laughs) What did he say? I asked Rob to come on the show. Yeah, I asked him. I don't even know why I asked him to come on. Nobody cares. I mean, nobody. Nobody misses Rob outside of Leslie Slender. That's it. Well, you were missing him. You thought it was a good idea. You're like, let's get, hey, let's get Rob on the show. That'll be well, funny. You know, what? when, I, when uh, Bernard died and we had all these people come on the show, and all, they're all great, 
Rob stood out. Rob was hilarious. Hilarious. And I said, you know what? I do kind of miss him. But he's been doing this crap for years. You know, because what happens is Rob is still in the I miss camp. You know, Deirdre probably still pays this bastard. <laughs> he doesn't have a job. So, you know, I miss paid him for 100 years. I guarantee you Deirdre still takes care of him. So he feels this loyalty to the IMIS group, and the IMIS group hates me, Deirdre, Wyatt, all of them. And Rob is too much of a pussy to say that, so he just doesn't come on the show. Every time I ask him to come on, he sends Lou messages like this one. Read it, Lou. Uh, how are you, Rob? You want to come on next week with Sid? How about Monday or pick a day? And I said, miss you, Lou. He says, I'm great. Can't do the show. Too much going on. Yeah. How are you? How's MJ? <laughs> Can't do the show. Too much going on. This guy hasn't worked in like 10 years. 10 years. Now he's going to hate me now, but. Maybe he does a show at Governor's once every six months. That's about it. So uh, he's suspended now, too. He was not doing well, though, so I, I don't well, know Well, physically, right. Yeah. yeah. So I hope he's all right. Wait, yeah. so he's on the suspension list? Oh, he's suspended. So yeah. is it two T's in Bartlett? Just like, two uh, T's, yeah. Okay. Right. I kind of feel bad because the truth is <laughs> the right he may die before he gets back on the show. <laughs> yeah. He was it. doing very poorly. <laughs> yeah. Made me upset. I love Robin. I don't got to yeah. die. That'll last for a week, and then you'll move on to somebody else. <laughs> yeah. uh, I just have a question. So if Frank were at the commission's meeting, do I need to hear both sides, I have to. Well, this the is air, this is. To I'm going to do this now, which you've never done before, right? Because I do love Frank Morano. I love him personally and professionally. And to be honest, he gets the next best ratings at the station, along with me. He does. Guy does great. Gets twelves, and I respect him. And he's a great guest on this show once a week. So I am going to allow Frank Morano to uh, speak on his own behalf, kind of like Colin Ferguson did after he shot people on the Long Island Railroad. Remember that. I do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Frank says to me, can you get me off the hook for old time's sake? That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. In front of the Godfather. Funny. Very That's funny. funny. That's funny. And Frank Morano knows the Godfather. So that's uh, that's where we are. Bo Deedle will be in at 9.05 this morning. Tell Curtis nothing personal. <laughs> I always liked him. <laughs> and Bo may make uh, maybe the guy to decide this. He has been the fifth and decisive vote more than once. So... That is some more drama here on the Sid Rosenberg show. By the way, uh, Bo was already talking to me yesterday about Frank. Oh, Frank's dead. Bo hates him. He was already trying to make a deal with me to get rid. Oh, get really? Rid of Frank. Yeah, yeah. He's like, do me a favor, man. Vote against it, man. <laughs> wow. Well, he's got a personal story, Bo Deedle. He, he does. Those, yes. One of those envelopes that he leave it to. Uh, <laughs> well, something like that. Yeah. 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 Cool. It was something that Frank did when Bo ran for mayor. Bo had that uh, very courageous run against Bill de Blasio and Nicole Maliotakis. And according to Bo, and we'll get details coming up at 9.05, Frank did something, and it seems like Bo's never going to forgive him. Never. We'll find out later on today. we got a great guest that's coming your way, Mike Lawler, the great congressman. You know, he was just in Israel with uh, Jim Jordan and a host of others celebrating 75 years of Israel. Mike Lauder will join me coming up at 7.05. The judge, Andrew Napolitano, great every Thursday, coming up at 7.40. We'll do Nuggets with Noam coming up at 8.25. The ratings grab of the week, nobody does a bigger job than Bill O'Reilly coming up at 8.40. My dear friend, the aforementioned Bo Deedle coming up at 9.05. And from the Yes Network, he's part of the Yankees broadcast. His brand-new book is out about the Yankees' best team ever, the 1998 New York Yankees. Jack Curry 
We'll stop by at 925. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. And I'll open the phone today to get your thoughts on Jordan Neely. Going to be a great show, folks. Sid Rosenberg on a Thursday, only right here. Talk Radio 77, WABC. No, no. an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you, but don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. Talk Radio 77. W-A-B-C. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 W-A-B-C. Oh, I just Elvis Costello, 6.31, Thursday morning. Again, huge guest list today. Mike Waller, Judge Andrew Napolitano, Noam Layden, Bill O'Reilly, Bo Deedle from the S Network. New book out about the 98 Yankees. Jack Curry, all stopping by today. Tomorrow, big show, too. I, I think we're going to get Nigel Farage back tomorrow. He was on a couple of weeks ago. Of course, Saturday in London, Buckingham Palace, King Charles' coronation. Been 70-plus years since the last coronation. That was his mother, Queen Elizabeth. So I know most of us here don't care. In fact, I spent years railing against the likes of Juliet Huddy. Stop. Nobody cares. Thank God Bernie agreed with me. I mean, I couldn't care less. But I'm a hypocrite. And my daughter goes to college now in Wales, which is about a 90-minute train ride from London. And I went to visit Ava last month, and we spent two days in London. And now I love it. Love it. So I do care about it. So Nigel will join us tomorrow. Trump actually talked about Meghan Markle yesterday. You know, the queen, Queen Elizabeth, loved Donald Trump. I know that sounds nuts, but she loved Donald Trump. I don't know what his relationship is with King Charles. He actually sat down, Donald Trump, with Nigel Farage. Was that yesterday? Or was that the day before? No, I think it was yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. So we're going to try to get Nigel on tomorrow. And we've got President Trump coming on this show on Wednesday. 15 minutes with President Trump, 8.05 a.m. coming up on Wednesday. So Trump gets into it with Nigel Farage about Meghan Markle. 
being disrespectful to his friend, the late great Queen Elizabeth. This uh, Lewis is Donald Trump number five talking Meghan and coronation with Nigel Farage yesterday. But somebody else who's not coming, of course, is Meghan. Meghan is not coming. Harry's coming. We understand it's a complete in, out, like within two hours after the service, he'll be gone. But I kind of think, I kind of think maybe we're better off without Meghan coming. Well, I think that uh, she has been very disrespectful to the Queen, frankly, even during that time. I mean, how can you be disrespectful to the Queen? The Queen was incredible for years, for decades and decades. You never made a mistake. Think of it. With all of the people that you watch them, and you see they make lots of mistakes. If they're famous people or not famous mm. people. But I don't know. I can never think of a mistake nope. that she made. She was never controversial. When I was with her, I tell the story. They said, who was your favorite president? Oh, they were all great. They were all great. I said, who? But did you like Ronald Reagan the best? Oh, I liked them all very much. What about Richard Nixon? Oh, I thought he was wonderful. Then I said, who was your favorite prime minister? And she said... Uh, just fabulous people, every one of them. But wasn't it Winston Churchill? Oh, I liked him very much. And I'm saying to myself, you know, this is so smart because there's like yeah. no controversy. Yeah. She went through years and years and decades without controversy and just did a great job. You cannot be disrespectful to her. And I think Megan was very disrespectful to her. So, Bunny, I'm listening to Trump, who I love dearly. And we're getting closer. He's on on Wednesday. But he's a complete opposite of her. <laughs> she refused to say anything bad about anybody. He's right. She loved everybody. Republicans, Democrats, prime ministers, him, Trump, he has something bad to say about everybody. <laughs> Not anybody, everybody. You talk about the complete opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> I mean, Queen Elizabeth and Donald Trump, yet, yet, love them both. We've got traffic with Joe Nolan coming up next. I hate to say this, but the New Jersey Devils did start their second-round series in Carolina against the Hurricanes last night. And the Devils love losing 5-1 to one in game ones. They just love losing 5-1, to one, but we know do not count out New Jersey. We'll get to Joe Nolan. Right now it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Today's minicast is from the other side of midnight with Frank Morano, who told me moments ago he'll be interviewing lawyers today to represent him in this big commission. Now, his best friend is Arthur Idala. Oh, God. Wow. <laughs> Start this right is there. crazy. <laughs> Frank. He's not even kidding. I know he's not kidding. You know how I know he's not kidding? Because anybody who would talk to Jessica Taco about <laughs> UFOs would hire an attorney over this radio commission. Here's Frank and Jessica. Why would they want this issue to be something that was considered a fringe issue and not a mainstream one back then? So there are many theories on the topic, but from what I understand, we had just gotten through World War One, World War Two, the Depression. We were on the dawn of the uh, Cold War. There was the rise of communism coming around the world, and there was a lot of unrest. People were really scared. People were concerned. So the concept of UFO, whether it be from other worlds 
or whether it be from Russia, was something that was really scary for the populace. Mm. Imagine. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They are the world's best built boilers on the ice. The Devils have a thing for losing 5-1 to one in this year's playoffs. Doing so for the third time in eight playoff games last night to open up their series in Cal- uh, Carolina against the Hurricanes. Nathan Bastian registered the lone New Jersey goal on the night as the Devs were forced completely out of their flow by the well-rounded Canes all night long. Down a game now. The Devs will try and even the score in Game 2 come tomorrow night in Carolina on the Diamond. The Mets got swept in their doubleheader against the Tigers in Detroit, losing the first game 6-5 to and the second contest 8-1. to Homers from Pham, Canna, and Lindor in Game 1 weren't enough to fend off the Tigers, while Max Scherzer failed to show up in Game 2 on the bump as he allowed six earned runs on eight hits in just three and third, three and a third, I should say, innings of work. As for the Yankees, they needed some walk-off magic to squeeze out a 4-3 to win over the Cleveland Guardians at home and take the series in the process. Jose Trevino was the one who played the hero in the bottom of the 10th, and now still eight and a half games back in the AL East. The Yankees gear up for a huge series against the first-place Rays in Tampa, set to get underway tomorrow night uh, after an off day today. Now for what's next for the Metropolitans. They'll try and salvage the finale this afternoon in Detroit. You got Justin Verlander's big debut in orange and blue. You got to be looking forward to that. First pitch is set for 1.10 p.m. with the Tigers sending out Eduardo Rodriguez to duel with Verlander. And on the hardwood last night, the Celtics beat the Sixers 121. <coughs> oh, my God, to 87 to tie the, <laughs> to tie the series at 1. <laughs> Knicks and Heat. Help me. Knicks and Heat game three coming up on Saturday at 3.30 p.m. out in Miami. Here was sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com. PavilionTankless.com. Quick, before I cough up a lung. Oh PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. Larry Cudlow on this show two days ago when he talked about the likelihood I actually brought it up but he confirmed it the likelihood that the Fed would raise interest rates again yesterday and they did I just saw Charles Payne on Fox Business interest rates right now spiking to the highest they've been in 16 years all this in an effort to calm down inflation and put this economy back on track it's a mess 
Frank Morano now has really taken this to the next level. He quotes, uh, his quote is, I'm assembling a dream team. He's going to have Arthur Idala open. He's going to bring in Jeffrey Lickman, I know that guy, to cross-examine Curtis. And he's also considering having our friend Alan Dershowitz on the team. And you ready for this one? Ron Kuby. Now, Kuby, who I still love and I think the station should have kept. It's just my opinion. I don't know the what really happened on the inside. Maybe Kuby became impossible to work with. I don't know. I'm just basing this on talent. And I thought Curtis and Kuby together, as much as they despised each other, put on a great show. I did. In fact, better than me and Bernie. I'll say it right, up, right now. Right now, what? you want to? Uh, yes. Wow. They were oh, better. Oh my. They I were better. Have, I got to have some more coffee yeah. for that one. They disagreed on everything, and it was contentious, but not hard to listen to. If that makes sense, it was um, just more interesting. Yeah. Okay. And I think Kuby is a really, really smart guy. Entertaining tension. Yes, entertaining tension. It seems like. Uh... It takes Frank a while to get to sleep once he gets off the air. It, it well, no, he has to these, drive home. I, I got that. That's like but, an hour and a half. But all of these, all of these I ideas he's yeah, got. I know. I, I, I picture well, him sitting in his kitchen somewhere like, oh, I got to have a dream team. Well, Hang he on. drives home, and then, depending upon the guest, he will listen to us and try to stay awake. That's how much he loves this show, which I find very nice, very nice. Uh, but certain days, he'll get home and just fall asleep. But once he's the topic of conversation, he ain't going to bed. So we'll see if we can get Kuby in studio and make this into a, uh, a very, very big thing. We start our guest list today with Congressman Mike Lawler. He's coming up in about 15 minutes. He's terrific. Just back from Israel. I know he was there with uh, Jim Jordan and a few other folks. But Donald Trump, uh, we played a cut. Trump was talking to our friend Nigel Farage, who will join us tomorrow with King Charles' coronation coming up on Saturday. And we played the cut where Trump talked about how Meghan Markle disrespected his friend the Queen. But then Trump went on with Nigel Farage to talk about, well, you take a guess. What do you think Trump talked about? You nailed it, the rigged election. So here's the issue with Trump. Everybody and their mother who loves Donald Trump and wants Donald to win, that includes me, has said time and time again, he needs to stop talking about 2020. He needs to talk about all the things he did well between 2016 and 2020 when he was president and all the things that Joe Biden has subsequently screwed up. Nobody wants to hear any more about the rigged election. And I think there's truth to that. But here's the issue. He's doing so well right now in the polls, Donald Trump, that he believes that he can talk about and do whatever he wants. And how do you argue? Every time a poll comes out, he's lengthened his lead over Ron DeSantis. Now, that's in the primary. The polls that I see do not have Donald Trump doing very well against Joe Biden. And maybe that's where the rigged election talk can come back to bite Donald Trump in the ass. But every conversation Trump has, it may start with Ukraine-Russia. It may start with the economy, inflation, other issues. But at some point, you can bet your ass, rigged election is going to come up. 
And that was the case once again with Nigel Farage from England yesterday. He also talked about Fox News, all the things lately he's been really obsessed with. So this, Lewis, is uh, Donald Trump, cunt number six, with Nigel Farage saying that Rupert Murdoch, Fox News, was wrong. Here's Trump's reason. Incredible that they did that. If you think of what they did, they're a platform. That would mean anybody that goes onto a platform that says something wrong, you're going to sue the platform? It's ridiculous. Why they pay this money? Uh, the election was rigged, and Rupert Murdoch should have talked about it. But Rupert Murdoch doesn't believe he can win a court case on that. But Rupert Murdoch's wrong. And whoever settled this case for that much money, and I think it was an insult not only to Fox, it was an insult to all the people that work there, it was an insult to everybody that knows what happened during that election. Number one, they didn't use the legislatures. Number two, if you just look into modern times, just look over the last couple of months. The FBI dealt with Twitter. They call it Twitter files. That was cheating. Look at look at the I, 51 different. I have no doubt about Look that. at the 51 different intelligence yep. agents, so-called intelligence agents. They all lied, 100%. They lied. All of this stuff is cheating. And then you look at Truth to Vote where hundreds of thousands of ballots were stuffed in the ballot boxes. They were stuffed, and it's on camera. But if you can't prove it in a court of law... Well, you can prove it there. The judges never got a chance to look at it, and the judges, frankly, they're very disappointed because they were afraid to do anything, including the Supreme Court. So Trump keeps going, and then Nigel's like, okay, basically, enough of this this rigged election talk. We, we've had enough. And Trump goes, oh, hold on a second. You're the one that brought it up, not me. Donald Trump, cut number seven. Where I disagree with you slightly on this is right or... And we've seen plenty of electoral fraud here. Don't worry. I've seen it as well in this country. Anytime you have mail-in ballots, you're going to have a... I, listen, okay. and I've always made that argument, but I would say this to you. You know, when you came around in 2016, you said to the American people, I'm one of you, I'm not one of them, right, in right. the Beltway, right. I'm on your side, I'm going to fight for you, I'm going to do X, Y, Z and make America better, make your right. lives better. Exactly. My point to you is, if you're going to win this next year, in November 2024, you're not going to win it talking about what happened last time. But You've Nigel, to, you brought it you up. Got, haven't you got to send a positive message to 100%. the American people? You brought this up to me. I didn't bring it up to no, you. No, sure. You know, you, you mentioned brought something. It up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, look, it was rigged. Yeah. And I say that. I'll always say that. Uh, it doesn't mean that out of a one-hour speech, I'm going to devote half of it to this. I might devote 10 seconds to it. Okay. But the election was rigged. It was a rigged election. It was a very dishonest election. And you have to go back. In my opinion, you go to paper ballots, same-day voting, voter ID, you know, all of this stuff. That's and state by state, this can happen, can't This it? is going to happen, but it should happen quickly. And where, wherever you have a Republican governor, it should happen immediately. You know, governor that has a little bit control over the state. But, you know, you did bring it up. <laughs> he didn't bring it up. He said it about three times. So finally, my guy Trump moves off of rigged election, and he does talk about his 2024 pitch and, of course, the inept Joe Biden. This is the last cut. Donald Trump he will be on this show Wednesday with Nigel Farage. He'll be on this show tomorrow talking about his pitch for 2024. Lou Rufino, cut number eight. We're going to get energy prices down. We're going to get taxes down. We're going to get interest rates down. Our country's gone crazy. Interest rates are through the roof. Taxes are through the roof. They want to quadruple taxes 
in the United States. Now, historically, that's been a very bad thing if you're a politician. We're going to raise your taxes. Think of it. We're going to raise your taxes, and they're supposed to win. The way they win is by cheating. And you have to learn by history. You can't just say, well, we're not going to talk about something anymore. I talk about positive. Energy's coming down. Interest rates are coming down. You're going to be able to get your homes again. Right now, people can't buy a home. So this is, this is the pitch. Well, this that's, that's part of it. The economy was great, and yeah. we're going to have a strong border. Our border is pathetic. We will have, at the end of this year, 15 million people, in my opinion, come into the country. 15 million. That's bigger than New York State. They come from mental institutions. They come from prisons, jails. They come from everywhere. We have no idea. And some seeking a better life. Sure, some seeking a better life. But how many? Look, if you look at the prisons, if you look at mental institutions all over the world, they're being emptied out into our country because we have an incompetent president. That man is incompetent. And it's a shame. And he's not running it anyway. People around him, a very smart group of Marxists or communists or whatever you want to call them, around them, that's who's running our country. He's not running the country. He's now in Delaware sleeping. Final. You can't even come to your coronation as a country. Your coronation's a big event. Hopefully that won't take place for another long time. He'll live a good life and she'll live a good life and it'll be a long time. But that's a big event. Tony Zanovich on my Instagram. You can follow me right now at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney. He says, uh, Sid, the buried laptop, the phony letter signed by 51 Jackoffs, 400 million spent by Zuckerberg. All that equals a rigged election. I agree. 100%. All the Hunter Biden stuff, 100%. All right. Big guesses about to come your way. Mike Lawler, Judge Andrew Napolitano, Bill O'Reilly, Bo Deedle, and from the S Network, his new book is out on the 1998 awesome New York Yankees, Jack Curry. Very exciting three hours on a Thursday with me right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. A Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride.
tell you right now, they charge this guy with murder. The guy that killed this crazy Jordan Neely on the subway, they charge this guy with murder. And I am announcing that something I really can't stand. I know it's part of our First Amendment, this whole ridiculous protest thing. But I just think it's nonsense because nine out of ten protests are for the wrong reasons and end up in violence anyway. I'm actually at the point now where it wouldn't bother me if we abolished protests. I know that's, that's American and democratic. Get rid of them. But uh, I'm going to protest. If they charge this guy with murder, then I'm going to take me and Lou and Noam and Justin, and we're all going to set ourselves on fire on 3rd Avenue. And we're not going to put the fire out until this poor bastard's released. That's how angry I am that one New Yorker finally stood up and took matters into his own hands, and now Jordan Neely is the next George Floyd. Forty prior arrests. Forty. And now he's a lovely boy who likes to sing Michael Jackson tunes. I, I think I have a more productive idea. Maybe you hear me for a second. Instead of us setting ourselves on fire, yeah. maybe we make a better point by with the five of us go down and sit in a car and start screaming at passengers. Oh, like Jordan Neely did. Incoherently. Right, like Neely did. Yes. Not Just a bad see, idea. And see how long okay. people take. And then when, you know. I like somebody, that. Yeah, like screaming really like yeah. this guy did. Okay. And annoying people. We'll take that into account. We could dress, you know, as homeless as we want to or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I feel Just like Michael part, Jackson, but, yeah. 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 Bo Deedle says uh, Peter King is with the family and never goes against the family. Gnome doesn't have his button yet. We've not opened the books. But Gnome is not a made man. Sorry, my witness against Murado will be my friend and part of the family, uh, family, I should say, Curtis Sliwa. Curtis did stray a little bit, but now we've had a sit down and he's currently back with the family and he's the main witness against Frank Murado. This is becoming a huge drama. Stay tuned. The commission, the vote coming against Frank Murado sometime later on today. Mike Lawler is a great congressman. He's the pride of Rockland County. I believe that's District 97. And he's just back from a historic visit to Israel, who just celebrated their 75th birthday. Here he is, Congressman Mike Lawler. Mike, good morning. How are you, pal? I'm good, Sid. How are you? I'm great. Nice to have you back. I did try to contact you a couple of times, and you should get back to me right away. But, of course, you were out of the country in Israel celebrating 75 years. I know Jim Jordan, another guy I love, was there, too. So who else was there with you, and what were those couple of days like celebrating the birth of that great country? It was a a great trip. We went with uh, Speaker McCarthy uh, and Steny Hoyer. It was a a bipartisan trip to to go to Israel, celebrate the 75th anniversary uh, of, of that great beacon of democracy and freedom. Uh, in the Middle East. And uh, we also had the opportunity to sit down with uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, President Herzog, uh, Speaker Ohana, and really talk about uh, the issues and the challenges uh, that Israel is facing and uh, have a a, a frank discussion among friends, uh, as well as to to take the opportunity uh, to visit the Church of the Holy Sepulchre or the Western Wall Uh, and get a a private tour of the City of David, uh, which is really remarkable. They're excavating, uh, you know, the road that Jesus walked. And so it was 
uh, a really remarkable uh, 48 hours in Israel. Uh, it was my first time there, and so I was just honored to be part of the, the delegation with the speaker. Uh, the speaker delivered remarks at the Knesset, only the second uh, U.S. speaker in the history of, of uh, Israel uh, to, to come and speak at the Knesset. So really a, a wonderful opportunity. You know, I'm close with Dove Hiking, and he goes back and forth to Israel all the time. And I'm a Jew, and I haven't been there, which I'm really upset about. I do want to get well, there. I, I got to get I gotta there. I got to tell you, Sid. Yeah. Having having now gone, I, it was uh, something that I absolutely uh, wanted to do this year. Uh, having now gone, I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you got to make the effort to go to Jerusalem uh, and and just see the sights. It, it really is amazing. I'm dying to go. And I said to Dove, I go. You know, I keep hearing that last week there was an attack, the Palestinians, Israelis. And you would say, Sid, I feel safer walking in the streets of Israel than I do in Times Square, to be completely honest. So, yeah, there's some issues every now and then. But when you sat down with, for example, Netanyahu and the president, and he said we discussed some of the issues outside of, of course, the years and years of issues between the Palestinians and the Israelis, What's the biggest issue, the major issue that Netanyahu deals with on a daily basis? Well, without breaking confidences of the conversation, you know, as you can imagine, Iran certainly was a, a major uh, topic. Uh, but, you know, certainly I brought up uh, my legislation along with uh, Congressman Richie Torres from the Bronx uh, about uh, creating a special envoy for the Abraham Accords. And I think one of the things that you know the United States can be most helpful in is really normalizing uh, relations between Israel and its Arab neighbors, and and so you know I think we need to to have a special envoy who can focus in on the Abraham Accords and work to strengthen them and expand them, uh, including hopefully with Saudi Arabia, uh, and and really set about the transformational peace. Uh, that we need in the Middle East. And and I think, you know, the uh, previous administration, uh, President Trump, uh, his administration worked closely with uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, and uh, they were able to accomplish this. And I think it's something that uh, really has uh, created the ability uh, to bring peace. And so we, we need to focus in on that. I think the Biden administration, frankly, uh, has failed. Uh, in its efforts to expand upon the Abraham Accords. And so that's why I yeah. think it's so critical to to create a special envoy for it. Agreed. Well, there's no love lost between Netanyahu and Obama and Biden, no matter what Biden says. That's a fact. He loved Donald Trump. And, you know, every day here back in the States, my dear friend Joseph Takapina representing Trump right now on this ridiculous defamation rape allegation, uh, two weeks before that was Alvin Bragg. Before you know it, it'll be Georgia, January 6th, Mar-a-Lago, who knows. And I hear that in Israel, of course, Netanyahu and his wife and his wife, they are also going through some legal issues, too. Once again, the similarities between Netanyahu and Trump, pretty stark. And you tell me, being in Israel on a daily basis just last week, uh, are there a lot of reports about Netanyahu and the allegations against him? like Trump here in the United States? Uh, you know, obviously, they, there's been investigations, and, and uh, I think a lot of people looked at the judicial reforms that were being uh, put forth 
by uh, the prime minister and his administration uh, and the Knesset uh, to be in response to some of that. But, uh, you know, I, I think the prime minister uh, is really in a very strong position right now. He has a, a very strong coalition, uh, biggest in, in a long time. And, uh, you know, I think his focus, uh, based on the conversations we had, is, is not on that, but on obviously bringing about peace and, and uh, preventing Iran from getting a nuclear weapon. Yeah, I like that. Mike Lawler, Congressman, Rockland County, joining me right now, just back from Israel, celebrating 75 years, Jim Jordan and a host of others there with him. So I had uh, your friend out of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson, on yesterday, and we talked an awful lot about Antony Blinken and the emails, of course, back and forth between Blinken and Biden when Blinken, like Joe Biden, has said, there was no communication. I never communicated. So Ron Johnson and the House Republicans, you're one of them, has Biden in a lie, caught him in a bold-faced lie. I said, Ron, okay, now what? I hear more stuff every day about Hunter Biden. We're getting close. We're getting close. Where are we? So on this whole Ron Johnson deal with Anthony Blinken, how bad could that get for Blinken, if bad at all? Well, I think what you're starting to see is, as Jamie Comer and Jim Jordan uh, and and Ron Johnson and others are pulling at the the threads here, it's unraveling. And, you know, you look at the Hunter Biden laptop situation, uh, it's not the laptop in and of itself. It's, it's, It's the money. It's the suspicious activity reports by the IRS. It's the IRS whistleblower saying that senior administration officials lied before Congress uh, with respect to an investigation. It's Antony Blinken being caught in a, in a lie and contradicted uh, by sworn statements uh, about whether or not he was involved uh, with pulling together uh, that letter that disputed uh, the, the laptop as Russian disinformation. Um, you know, and, and it all ties back to, you know, decisions that are being made and who's benefiting from these decisions uh, and if there's any transfer of, of money. And that's where this is all starting to unravel uh, before our eyes. So, I, you know, I think the investigation continues. Anything like this, you need to be uh, dead certain. You need to have the facts. You need to have the evidence. This is not something to just, uh, you know, throw stuff at a wall and hope it sticks. No, no, I agree. So, so, so if the American people, for example, don't hear something for a couple of days, we should not misconstrue that as McCarthy and Lawler and Johnson and all of you guys continuing this investigation, and may I say maybe even eagerly. Look, I, I think, as I've said from the very beginning, Congress has a responsibility of oversight. If there are facts and evidence uh, that warrant investigation, then it needs to be investigated. And, and in this instance, uh, the more information we are learning publicly, uh, and, and I, I note the word publicly, um, it's obviously deeply disconcerting. Uh, I know that uh, Chairman Comer and Chairman Jordan are continuing their work, uh, and I suspect, you know, over the coming weeks and months, more information is going to become available uh, to the public, and 
you know, with each passing uh, day, you're learning more. Uh, that raises serious questions about what Hunter Biden was doing and why. And when you start looking into the fact that money is transferred uh, from from foreign companies, uh, it raises a lot of questions. And so, you know, I'm not I'm not going to go too deep into it to say that, you know, this means Joe Biden did this. But it certainly uh, raises enough questions that the investigation should continue. Uh, and uh, we need answers. And if the administration is going to send uh, you know, cabinet secretaries to Congress a lie, uh, that is a major problem. So 2022 Election Day did not go well for us. For the most part, we lost all the big gubernatorial elections, all of them. Uh, We barely got the House back. We did not get the Senate. But here in New York, at least, it was great because four Republicans took seats. My friend Mark Molinaro, my friend Anthony D'Esposito, you, of course, my dear friend Mike Lawler, and uh, that other guy, uh, 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 George Santos. Uh, (laughs) But it turns out now with this redistricting and uh, gerrymandering, that um, all the districts have changed, and there seems to be concern from Republicans that guys like you, Mike Lawler, coming off a recent win, may get screwed next time around. Is that a worry of yours? So Hakeem Jeffries and the Democrats are embarrassed. Uh, They're embarrassed that they got whooped in New York uh, in 2022, and that cost them uh, the House majority. And so what they are doing is everything they can uh, to try and win back these seats, including petitioning the courts uh, to redraw the lines again. Uh, They tried to gerrymander New York's congressional maps and got slapped down in court rightfully uh, because they violated the state constitution. Uh, And so we got a fair set of maps and they lost on a fair set of maps. And by the way, my district is a district Joe Biden won by 10 points. It's not like it's a rock-solid Republican district. It's not. But we talked about the issues that mattered to the people in the 17th Congressional District. And that's why we won. And so they can't beat us fairly, so they're trying to get these lines redrawn. I have confidence in, in the court uh, that it will uphold uh, the decision made last year, and that these maps should last for 10 years. Remember, in 2012, uh, we had a court-ordered special master draw maps. Those congressional maps lasted for an entire decade. The state constitution speaks to this, that whether it's uh, by the legislature, by the independent redistricting commission, or by the courts, it's a 10-year map. So this is a a, uh, last-ditch effort on their part. Uh, to try and gerrymander the maps in their favor, uh, but I don't think it's going to work. When uh, is this? Uh, when do you expect? When do you expect this uh, new decision to come down? Uh, well, the hearing is going to be in June, early June, and then uh, you know it could be shortly thereafter, or it could take a while from the appellate division to to issue the order. Uh, but this this will be ongoing for for quite a while, um, I'm sure. Uh, which whichever side uh, would be on the losing end of that decision will appeal it. Uh, 
Um, so this is this is going to take a while to, to sort itself out. Gotcha. Hey, I'm glad you're home. I'm glad you enjoyed Israel. You're always a gracious and terrific guest on my program. And I love the work you do out there in Rockland County. So keep going at it, Mike Lawler. Thank you for this morning, and have a good rest of the week. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, Sid. You're the man. Talk soon. You too. Mike Lawler, congressman up there in Rockland County, the pride of New City and Pearl River and Nanuet. All those cool places. Mike Lawler. A lot more to do, folks. Bill O'Reilly's morning message. Judge Napolitano this hour. Next hour, Norm's Nuggets and Bill O'Reilly. And in the 9 o'clock hour, the great Bo Dito live in studio. And from the Yes Network, his new book is out on the 1998 New York Yankees. Maybe the greatest team ever. Jack Curry. All that still to come your way on New York's favorite talk show. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, right here on Talk Radio 77. W-A-B-C. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Entertaining and informative. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. train a couple days ago, and I keep saying all morning long, there's Ron Kuby on television as we speak, shocking on New York 1. And you know that Kuby wants like to lynch this white guy. Dragged out of Woodstock. Yeah. <laughs> Looks the same, long hair, white hair. Frank Morano thinking about hiring Kuby in his 
commission decision coming up against Curtis Sleeway here. But um, I said many times this morning, if they charge this guy with murder, I'm going to do something crazy. I just am. Jordan Neely, the next George Floyd, and I'm tired of it. But it did remind me a couple of days ago, I was on the downtown 6 train, and uh, I was making my way towards the 4 of the 5, the Express. I was actually on the 4 of the 5, excuse me, and I wanted to go express from 14th Street to uh, Brooklyn Bridge on the way to Fulton Street. And they kicked me off at 14th Street, and uh, they said, we, uh, we, you know, we got a sick passenger, and now you got to go across the tracks and wait for the 6, which is local, stops at all these other lousy places. And now, all of a sudden, my five-minute train ride became 20 minutes. And I remember thinking how I was so angry. I, I didn't care if this person died. I, 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 and I say this because I'm honest, and most of the listeners agree with me. Now, not many people will say that. Oh, my God, I feel badly. I couldn't care if that person died. I'm like, are you nuts? I got 15 minutes to get home. I had something to do. I'm what do you mean as a sick passenger? Like on the football field, the guy gets hurt, unless you're Hamlet, of course. Take him off. Take him off. All what do you right. got to take 25 minutes? 19 cops show up. 16 EMTs show up. Sick person, roll him off the train. Let the rest of us, the millions of us, the millions go. Go. Yeah. Well, the worst thing is when you hear... There's police activity up at 52nd Street, right. which means somebody has messed something up right. or pulled the emergency signal right. or jumped in front of the train or, or some something. some psycho right. like, like Jordan Neely oh, is right. out there harassing yeah, right. people. Right. I don't care. I don't, I'm right there with you. I don't care. Right. Don't I, don't, care. I don't care if they die. No. Well, good. I'm not alone. It's taking me, to, you know, I, I hate being inconvenienced. Well, maybe we're just all horrible people. No, I'm the most, huh? I'm the most important person in the world. To me. Well, you're worse well, than me. Well, he's worse so, than me, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, worse it, than us. If I'm inconvenienced, that puts me in a bad mood, right, which well. makes everything else terrible. Well, it's just it. funny because love your you're, honesty. you're yeah. like the least important person in the world. Like uh, me, uh, I'm actually really important. <laughs> yeah, okay. Now we're going to go back and forth. Yeah. This, is, this is a really, this is a battle that will never end. Now, now Sid is yeah. now the worst person yeah. because he thinks he's better than you. Uh, well, i got to get the listeners with me here. So if they charge this guy with murder, we have to make our own statement. You finally had one New Yorker who stood up and said, enough is enough. You ever hear my friend John Katsimatidis? He uses those three words all the time. Enough is enough. Well, enough's enough. And I'm sorry the guy died, I think. I don't know all the particulars. Crazy black guy, white guy, tries to protect a bunch of people. Black guy dies. Let's set the cities on fire. Let's go. Let's go. Let's riot. Let's protest. Let's say horrible things about white people and cops. Cops. And uh, that's the uh, that's the playbook. So I guarantee you, Ron Kuby right now is sitting on New York one, and I love Ron. I love him. I said earlier I thought him and Curtis were better than me and Bernie, which a lot of you folks disagree with. But I don't care. They did a great show together, great show. But he is part of the problem, Ron Kuby. He's part of the problem. This guy will defend a, a person who blows up a building if it means a hundred thousand uh, retainer. And he has done that. Terrorists and all kinds of horrible people. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. I don't think that's very responsible at the time where we're still investigating the situation. We have so many cases where passengers assist of other riders. Uh, and we don't know exactly what happened here. Now, that's a good response. The mayor, Eric Adams, did not rush to judgment. He could have very easily said, oh, no, no, good. The guy's dead. Murder. He didn't do it. So Mayor Eric Adams 
fresh off what I thought was a very good appearance with me two days ago, taking Tiffany Caban to task and certainly AOC after giving the cops a raise. Been a couple of good days for Adams on this show, outside, of course, using the word racist to describe Abbott, which I did go at Eric Adams very hard, very hard. But um, he's right. You know, we got to get some more of the details. And, and I'm, I'm in the same boat if I find out that there was really something egregious here then I reserve the right to change my mind. But at least at this point, this guy tried to subdue a crazy person with 40 priors, folks, 40. That's even 30 more than George Floyd. And he was trying to help the passengers who were clearly scared, some of them. And Jordan Neely, unfortunately, died. But I'm not sure that means homicide. I'm not even sure it means manslaughter. But you got this fat, stupid Manhattan D.A. who only cares about putting Trump and white people in jail. So I would say this Marine is probably in trouble because he's a white guy and some maniacal black guy ended up dead. But my next guest knows a lot more about this stuff than I do. Fox News, radio, I miss a brilliant career. He's on every Thursday at this time because he's great. Judge Andrew Napolitano. Judge Andrew Napolitano, you heard what I just said. Your thoughts? Uh, good morning, Sid. It's morning. always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Well, we, we need to know we need to know what the facts are uh, here. I'm glad that he's not in jail. He's not a danger to the community. He, he's a potential savior of the community. I speak of the uh, 24-year-old Marine. Uh, but, you know, you, you can only use, uh, under the law, you can only use deadly force when you have a reasonable belief that you are being confronted with deadly force. You know, you can't you can't uh, uh, shoot a bank robber who's unarmed with a bazooka. Right, but, but he didn't shoot anybody. He put the guy in a headlock. The guy was resisting. And, look, there's no question. Sometimes people take it too far. But when you're in a physical confrontation and the other guy is on the floor yelling and screaming and kicking, I'm sorry, using too much force, who the hell is somebody else to decide that when you're in that type of situation? Well, that's what we have juries for, and that's what hopefully Alvin Bragg's people not. But you can't. But you can't trust Alvin Bragg. You can't trust Alvin Bragg. You can't trust these juries. You can't trust these judges. Where a white guy uh, does something and a black guy ends up dead, he's already guilty. I walked through five protests yesterday, Judge, in New York City. These crazy people yelling and screaming, and they know nothing about this case other than Jordan nearly died at the hands of a white man. I'm sick of it. Well, I'm sick of it too. But there does have to be a legitimate investigation, which the NYPD will do, and they'll do it better than anybody else. Uh, And then the facts have to be presented. So what I would advise is for uh, this fellow to testify before the grand jury investigating him. He'll come off as an honest, decent, selfless human being that was trying to protect the people on that uh, subway car. That's if it goes that far. That's if they do want to charge him with some sort of criminally negligent homicide. It's not It's not murder. It's not first-degree murder or second-degree murder. The most it can be is using too much force on his neck uh, to subdue him. But this guy, as creepy as he was, this Neely fellow, he has the right to live. Uh, and, and the right to live is the highest right there is. It is, the, it is a higher right than your right to be free from these people on the subway. Having said that, 
I share your view of Alvin Bragg. I share your view uh, of the system in New York. Unfortunately, it's the system we have. We elect judges. We elect prosecutors. They run for office making promises. Their promises often have nothing to do with justice, like I'm going to get Trump, so vote for me. That's the system. That's what we're stuck with. However, Alvin Bragg has hundreds of prosecutors who work for him. Some of them are former students of mine when I was a professor at uh, Brooklyn Law School. These are decent, honest people whose job it is to interpret the law and decide if there's enough evidence uh, to prosecute. Ninety percent of these prosecutorial decisions don't even reach Bragg's desk. They're made by professional line career prosecutors. So, so we my, have to have some faith in that. Right. So uh, talking about cases in New York, my friend Joe Tacopina back in court today. He had uh, 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 Gene uh, Carroll back on the stand yesterday. And I know for a fact he's he's get to her. Uh, he is. And, you know, she's having a difficult time proving that this alleged rape happened 30 years ago. Again, much like this Jordan Neely case, that doesn't stop these psychotic, mostly women, but supporters, anti-Trump people from standing out of the courtroom every morning and yelling and screaming at Joe Tacopina as he enters the courthouse to do his job. But I think today's the last day. I think she'll be back on the stand. Donald Trump, of course, is not coming. They provided a video, which you'll play more of today in court, where he says this is complete nonsense. It should be summed up, I think, as early as Monday. But uh, between you and I talking to Takapina, I get the feeling that he's very confident that Donald Trump will do well here. Let me tell you, Joe Takapina's cross-examinations uh, of Ms. Carroll were so superb, so excellent, that law students will study it uh, in the classroom um, in in future years. It was a classic, classic demolition of a witness uh, by one of the most skilled cross-examiners uh, in our era. Trump is many times uh, mocked in the media for picking television lawyers to defend him, not necessarily the best. In this case, he has arguably one of the two or three best cross-examiners in New York City, uh, the only thing I would have done different is I would have had him uh, take the stand. But I don't have – I'm not in the courtroom. I don't have a feel for the courtroom. Well, let me tell you why you didn't do that. I'll tell you why I didn't do that. Because as soon as Donald Trump shows up and takes the stand, it becomes about Donald. And I know Takapina wanted to make sure this is about her. He walks in. Yeah. Everybody's looking at him. They forget whether they're even in the first place. And that takes away from Takapina's cross-examination. So he didn't want that. He's got Trump on video saying what he would say in the courtroom anyway. And now the spotlight remains on the lady, not on President Trump. And the spotlight should be on her. I'll tell you another reason, uh, probably not articulated publicly, uh, why Joe probably didn't put the president on the stand, because New York has what's called a prior bad act rule. It's a horrible rule. We have it in New Jersey. I was sometimes uh, reversed by appellate courts because I didn't enforce this rule. I thought it was terrible. Here's what it is. If Trump takes the stand and denies the rape, the uh, Miss Carroll's lawyer can inquire about everything Trump has done right. in his prior life, whether it has anything to do with this case or not. That's the prior bad acts rule. It's horrific. It diverts the attention of the jury from the facts in the case 
to the history of the person on the witness stand. So by not putting him on the witness stand, uh, Joe denies the plaintiff the opportunity to do that to the uh, to the former president. So that's, an- that's a good thing. Yes. So I'm talking to Frank Morano the other day, Judge, and I don't know if you know this, but he actually filed a complaint against the judge in not this case with Trump, but the first case with Alvin Bragg here in New York City. And he filed the complaint because he finds out, and it's public record, that the judge, not Captain, the other judge, the judge has made political donations to Joe Biden. Now, you tell me, Judge Knapp, how you can have a judge in a case that has Donald Trump on the stand with a bullseye on Donald Trump. How do you have a judge in New York who has made political contributions to Joe Biden and expect that guy to be fair to Trump. So I applaud what Frank Morano did. But the bigger question is, how many judges have done the same thing that are sitting on a bench in New York today with a guy like Trump on the stand? Probably a lot. I agree. They probably won't hear Frank's complaint, but I agree with the with the thought behind the complaint. Look, New York has this political system. When I was on the bench in New Jersey, we were prohibited from contributing to any political campaign. We were prohibited from making any political statements. Remember, I had a lifetime uh, appointment. I didn't have to run every seven or every 14 years, whatever the term is in New York, depending upon which court uh, you're in. So it would be difficult to find a judge in New York, A, who is not a Democrat, because Manhattan is virtually all Democrat. In New Jersey, the judges are half Republican, half Democrat. Uh, B, it would be difficult to find a judge who's not involved in politics because they all have to run for office in order to get their job. The question is, was it just a nominal contribution because the party wanted everybody to contribute, or was it a substantial contribution? Honestly, I think it was about $15, which is so small it's ridiculous. But the party bosses probably said to these guys, you want the Democratic nomination, you got to give something, anything, even just a few dollars to everybody on the ticket. That's probably the way it works. However, I do believe that he should recuse himself. This case is too big, too important. Trump is uh, too uh, important to uh, the country. There must not only be uh, uh, uh neutrality there must be the appearance of neutrality and there is no appearance of neutrality a because of his rulings in a prior trump case b because of this although nominal still a contribution uh to uh, trump's opponent last time right. around and right on a round. 60 seconds to go talking about frank morano and are you and frank and uh, gerald uh, celeste and others are getting together may 27th up in kingston new york i believe they're calling it OccupyPeace.com. Uh, I guess it's one big peace rally. Tell me about this big appearance coming up with Frank on May the 27th. Well, this is about four or 500 people. Uh, uh, Jerry Salenti, uh, Gerald Salenti does this every either Memorial Day or the 4th of July. Uh, and we uh, make the argument that Joe Biden is leading the country slowly into World War III and lying about it. It's an easy argument to make today, thanks to the documents that uh, the, the top secret documents that were released by uh, that kid uh, on Cape Cod. 
We know that the government believes the Ukrainians are going to lose. We know that the government is telling the American people the Ukrainians are going to win. Uh, this is two efforts. One, by Joe Biden and his neocon buddies to push Putin out of office. Not going to happen. Two, an effort by Joe Biden and Republicans to support the military-industrial complex. The equipment we are giving to the Ukrainians is coming from our substance, not from our surplus. God forbid we are attacked. We don't have that stuff with which to defend us. The public doesn't know this, but the American military-industrial complex is working 24-7 to build military defensive equipment to replace what Joe Biden has given away. He should not have given it away. Congress authorized them to give it away. Congress did not authorize them to start World War III. There you have it, folks. May 27th, Kingston, New York. Join my dear friend here, Judge Napolitano, Frank Morano, and a host of others, up to 500 people. Sounds like a very important night. And as always, Judge Knapp, an amazing appearance on this Thursday morning. I love you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sid. Well, I was at Barulia the other night. We were toasting you. God love you. <laughs> Thank you for that. I love those people, too. And I'll be working out right across the street at the New York Sports Club on 34th between Park and Lexington later on this afternoon. We'll come back with the final two hours. It's a big two hours, folks. Bill O'Reilly's going to stop by. Jack Curry, Bo Deedle, and more. The Thursday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. If not murder, Al Sharpton. Disgusting human being. I know all, there's so many people in this city that are friends with Al, all these big politicians, even guys like Sean Hannity, Joe Tacopina. They all, they're all friends with Al Sharpton, all of them. You, you may know that, you may not. You probably don't. But it's true. They don't care that he's a racist. And, you know, the, the, uh, the attorney Alton Maddox died a couple of days ago. And I didn't bring this up with the mayor, but Eric Adams was on WBLS a couple days ago, extolling the virtues of Maddox, who, of course, was right there for the whole Tawana Brawley incident, which we know was a lie. And that was Al Sharpton. Sharpton doesn't care about black people, not even a little. He doesn't care if, as we speak, 10 black people are shot to death in Times Square. All he cares about is one thing, one thing, donations. That's it. Donations. His action network is a sham. The guy hasn't paid taxes in forever. He owes the government a ton of money. If Al Sharpton was a white guy in Brooklyn, he'd be in prison. But he's not. So for all the folks out there like Chris Rock, who I love dearly, his latest comedy special on Netflix, hilarious. When he goes, oh, you white people are nuts. You think we got it so good, us black people. Well, you do. 
If you can't see the turn in this country, Chris, then as brilliant and funny as you are, and you're both, you're either biased or you are somewhat stupid. I don't know. But it's clear, it's clear that while Tiffany Caban says, well, you know that black people and brown people go to prison every day for what white people do, too. And the truth is, is that black people today, they get away with a heck of a lot more. They just do. We have laws now, bail reform, trying to keep them out of prison. Well, that's for all criminals. Yeah, I get it. But I believe blacks make up about 14% of our population and commit nearly 60% of the crime. Well, it's not their fault. It's not their fault. It's the white people. You make laws against them, and the cops hate them, and the schools suck. And you purposely have drug dealers in their communities to keep them down. Oh, yeah. They still say stuff like that. Not just black people, white people. I mean, I'm surrounded by more pandering white people that will show up at a BLM rally before they'd show up at an anti-Jew hatred day rally. Now, let me explain something to you. And the reason why I get nearly an eight is because the three minutes that I just did, you will never, ever, ever hear anyplace else. Ever. And if you do, they'll sugarcoat it. They'll find a way to make it sound less shocking. Not Sid. I'll tell you the way it is. So, of course, Al Sharpton wants a murder charge here. So he can go out and put his ugly face on television and ask for more donations. And you comply. You know? It's like my friend Joel Osteen. Love Joel. I actually watch Joel Osteen on Sundays. Because once I'm done watching Chuck Todd lying and George Stephanopoulos lying, Face the Nation lying, and all these scumbags, I need Joel to tell me that God loves me and the world is going to be okay. But I can bet this. I can guarantee you folks this. Not one penny of my hard-earned dollars would ever go to Joel Osteen. And yet, there's millions of you all over Texas Barely make a living, barely put food on the table, who give an unbelievable amount of money to people like this. Now, I'm not saying Joel Osteen is nearly the bad person Al Sharpton is, but they're in the same business. Donations. That's it. Joel speaks on behalf of God. Al Sharpton speaks on behalf of black people, and both of them are in the pursuit of money. That's the truth. So last night, I went out for dinner. I don't do this often. You know that, um, Justin. First of all, I'm very antisocial. You know, there's this misconception that because I'm in the entertainment industry and I talk to people every day, very big-time people, big-time people, like Trump, he'll be here Wednesday, that I'm like this, you know, I'm this social butterfly. I go to Ranger games. I do. I go to Nick games. I do. But... I'm never all that comfortable, you know this, the one, Justin, going out, having dinner, having to strike up and or engage in conversation. Like John and Margot Katsimatidis, God bless them, they're out like every night. I couldn't do that. Most nights, I get home from work, I dress nicely, I throw on my shorts, I go to the gym, I come back to the house, and I'm on my couch. And I'm either watching, you know, I like that... um, the ID channel, 
Let me tell you how, like, wives kill their husbands and all that type of stuff, you know. No People idea. on the web. and no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, it's great stuff. Okay. Or sports or politics. And I go to bed early. I got to be up at 3.30 in the morning. If Danielle's in the mood, it's an extra special night. Hey, now. And that's a lot. But, <laughs> to be honest, but I don't, I don't do much. So last night, I finally said yes to my friend Frank Catania because I love Frank. He's a great guy. He's the only friend I've got left on the Real Housewives of New Jersey. I love Frank. And um, his son, Frankie, who I love too. And we went to this place to celebrate Alan Kay's birthday. Never met Alan before. Super guy. Great guy. The name of the place is um, Scalini Fideli. And it's on Duane Street in lower Manhattan. And the place was great. Great. So we had Frank. We had Frankie. Alan Kay. I met a beautiful couple. Frank and Melissa Becker. Frank, uh, heavily involved. He's got a 23-year-old son who's got autism. So he's heavily involved with Autism Speaks. And he's one of the most famous chefs in the country. I mean, really famous. I mean, top shelf. Like ahead of, like, David Burke even in New Jersey. But they got a new restaurant. I think it's called the Press Club Grill by the Garden in uh, Midtown Manhattan. So it was a great dinner. A lot of laughs. A lot of fun. I was home before 10 o'clock, so I got my five hours of sleep, which is all I need. And I'll do it again. So I think maybe, Justin, after last night, I'm turning over a new leaf. Well, that's good. I mean, uh, I don't know, though. You still go to a lot of stuff. Like, like, they're lucky here that you go to all the stuff that you go to. Well, for years, I went to everything. Yeah. And in terms of marketing me and Bernie, I took that on as a second job. It was do the show at Bernard in the morning and then market this show wherever I can go. And then, of course, when I do a TV show like Gravesend, spoke to William DeMeo last night. I do a movie like Gemini Lounge. You're working with 100 people. Bo Dito can tell you this. 100. And every one of those people end up listening to us or me in this case. That's how we grew the audience. That's how it happened. I went to every event. I met different people in different genres. Speaking at like pretty much every Republican club in the city. Pretty much everyone. That's how we gain listeners. It wasn't that all of a sudden, wow, look how those guys talk about Trump. No, that kept us at a 2.7 forever. Forever. Look how those guys talk about Biden and Mayorkas and Cuomo. No, that's not the game. You need to open yourself up to a much bigger audience. And that's why we've got Democrats on the show, the mayor especially. I don't care whether you don't like the mayor. I get I get so many pieces of hate mail every time the mayor is on. These stupid Facebook sites, they kill me. You know what it does? It gives me a huge erection. Huge. Well, it helps out they're listening. They're like, of course hate, they're it like does. hate listening. So who cares whether they hate listening or like listening? Again, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Listening. Right. So we've opened up this show to a brand new audience, a much bigger audience, and it's working out great. So again, last night, I go for dinner. Now, Frank listens. His kid listens, but Alan never listened. That other couple never listened. And what are they doing right now? They're listening. So if you go straight from the show and go home and stay home all day, well, how the hell are people going to find out about the show? Why would they want to listen to the show? So you got to do this stuff every now and then. So I'm making a concerted effort now 
to at least once a week go out somewhere once again and promote the show. Because as insane as an eight is, now I want a ten. Is that crazy? No. Always go higher. It keeps going up, so I don't know what, what the, like, it just <laughs> yeah. keeps going up. Going so, higher. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I can't wait to see, you know, we get our ratings on a daily basis. Oh, just on the stream numbers. But we actually get ratings every week. Every week. 7.1 first week of April. 7.5 second week of April. Coming up with 7.7 in March. And as I said, most shows don't get a three. Next Wednesday, 8.05 when President Trump is here. That may be a 13. I don't know. I think the highest ever was an 11 on the stream with me, Bernie, and, and the mayor. The first time the mayor came on. This number on Wednesday morning with Trump may actually shut off every computer on the East Coast. Could happen. It's going to be that big. Going to be huge. Huge. Talking about Trump, he did speak yesterday on his social media. Truth Social had a bunch of things to say, obviously, about the border, about Joe Biden, about what happens when Title 42 ends, which is sometime next week. whole bunch of good stuff from Donald Trump. So let's play it, Lewis. Uh, this is cut number one. Donald Trump on his Truth Social video last night talking about the border when he was in charge. Cut number one. Under my leadership, we had the most secure border in U.S. history by far. We replaced catch and release with detain and deport. One of my most successful policies was Title 42, which allowed for instant expulsion of any illegal alien who crossed our borders. Anybody, if they were bad, we got them out. We got them out fast. Those who trespassed into our country could be immediately sent back to the place from which they came. Every would-be illegal border crosser knew that with Donald Trump in the White House, our border was closed. It was absolutely closed, and they had no chance of getting in, and therefore they didn't come. All right, in the second cut, Donald Trump, once again, courtesy of Truth Social, he talks about Biden taking over and basically undoing all the things that worked for President Trump. Cut number two. When Joe Biden came into office, he terminated every successful border policy that was put into place, including remain in Mexico, one of the best of them all, deliberately throwing open the borders and instituting catch and release and resettling untold millions and millions of illegal aliens into the United States. They're now your neighbors. Congratulations. <laughs> now your neighbors. So, of course, under Trump, he came up with Title 42, which kept folks out during COVID, and Title 42 is about to end next week. And that has the potential for disaster. Huge numbers of illegals. I'm not using the word migrant. Huge numbers of illegals coming across the border next week when Title 42 comes to an end. Donald Trump, cut number three. Now Joe Biden is preparing to remove the last remnants of my Title 42 policy just a few weeks from now, wiping out the few remaining shreds of our southern border. Hundreds of thousands of people will pour in that day, and the judge already said that's what's going to happen. This will mean complete and total mayhem and utter lawlessness and unlimited numbers of fraudulent asylum seekers flood into the United States unchecked. They are unchecked. Nobody has any idea where they come from. They don't know if they're healthy, if they're sick, if they're insane, or if they're coming from prisons. 
Already, tens of thousands of illegal aliens have massed on the Mexican side of the border. They're getting ready to storm across the moment Title 42, which is so important, is officially gone. Can you believe they're getting rid of it? And when that happens, countless more will charge in from all over the world. They're coming from all over the world. And some of the states, like California, are saying, come in and we give you free health care, free education. People hear that from other countries. They say, well, that sounds good to me. And they're making a mass charge toward our border. It's absolute lunacy. It will be a mass resettlement of millions and millions of illegal aliens into your communities. And the invasion will be aided, abetted, and facilitated by the Biden administration's every step of the way. Every path they take will be made easier by Biden. One more, once again, from his, his uh, tro- uh, Truth Social video. Donald Trump talks about catching Melise Lewis. This is the final cut, Donald Trump, cut number four. Congress should move immediately to choke off and terminate all funding for catch and release. We should ban Joe Biden and the communists and the administration from using a single federal taxpayer dollar to set loose illegal aliens into the United States. Now is the time we have to fight to make sure our country survives, because our country cannot take two more years of this invasion. And when I take the oath of office on January 20th, 2025, we will immediately begin the process of fully securing the border and removing the illegal aliens Joe Biden has unlawfully allowed to break into our country. So thank wh- you very much. Thank you. So while Donald Trump is making a lot of sense on Truth Social last night, just to wrap this all up in a nice little bow, the cover of today's New York Post has Joe Biden checking his watch like he did at the memorial service when our 13 brave men and women were flown back to the States after being murdered because of Joe in Afghanistan. And it reads, clock is ticking for Joe Bryben. FBI has secret file alleging that then Veep Biden took money from foreign national. This is another whistleblower, another one, not Bobolinsky, not McCormick, not the IRS guy, another one. They have not specified exactly what country. The New York Post does have a bunch of countries that are possibilities, which include Ukraine, Mexico, Russia, and Romania. But nevertheless, another whistleblower saying, Joe Biden, they got to him. Money, money, money. Follow the money. You want to know why there's corruption? What really happened? Follow the money. And I believe it's true. The clock is ticking for both Hunter and, more importantly, Joe Biden. All good news for my buddy. He'll be on next Wednesday, Donald Trump. We'll be right back. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. I'm in the fumble that the one across the hall. If you don't answer, I'll just bring it off the wall. I know he's there, but I just try to call. Got a great run of guests about to come your way. Bill O'Reilly, that's the biggest waiting segment of the week on any show at any time. On WABC, joins me 8.40 every Thursday. He'll be here. 
than the wildly entertaining and brilliant and my best friend at this point, the great Bo Deedle in Studio 905. And then from the Yes Network, Jack Curry, whose new book is out on the 1998 New York Yankees. He'll join me at 925. So yesterday, Howard Stern brought me up again. The last two times that Howard brought me up, there was another person that was mentioned, and it's always Bill O'Reilly. So a couple of months ago, I think O'Reilly shares a birthday with Rush. So I I mentioned to Bill, or or Howard shares a birthday with Rush. Excuse me, Howard and Rush. And I brought that up to Bill one day, and he made some comments about Stern. Bill, again, is coming up next. And my loyalties, by the way, are to Bill. I love Bill. Bill, at this point, is a relative. Howard, yes, I, no question, I look up to him, and I still think he's the greatest in this profession by a mile, by a mile, but when it comes to personal like, Bill O'Reilly's my guy. So Howard goes and kills Bill O'Reilly because Bill contends that he knew Howard at Boston University, and Howard says, nonsense, never met the guy. He says it all the time. It's just not true. Doug Noam, you've got that audio, yes? Yep, I do. Yeah, up Here's Sid Rosenberg and Bill O'Reilly discussing this. Also celebrating a birthday today... From your neck of the woods in Long Island, on the flip side, Howard Stern. I went to school with him at Boston U. Did you know that? So long story short, Howard uh, gets angry with that, which is silly. Bill wouldn't lie about that. And um, so I guess a couple of days last week, Bill was on again. And I'm not sure why I brought Howard up. He had made a, a very salient point that day about something. And I was thanking Bill for the very generous donation he made to the charity that Daniel and I started, inspired by our son Gabriel, the Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia and DCD. And it was Bill last Thursday who brought up Stern. And, yes, Howard Stern once again talked about me and Bill yesterday. So that uh, that was the motivation for what, Noam? Well, uh, he... He, you know, we're trying to find out the truth. Like, who knew who? Did they not know each other? Is it all made up? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I wasn't there. Well, I'm going to take Bill's word for it. Yeah. So, I mean, you. But could... if I was on Howard Stern show, of course, I would tell Howard the same thing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you want to ask uh, engaging questions to see if you can figure out the truth, right? I mean, this is yeah. what you're going for. Do they know each other? Is Howard just playing like he doesn't know him? Is Bill O'Reilly making it up? Who knows what's going on? So, like. You know, uh, apparently they were in math class together. I don't yeah. know who they am. So yes. Yes. you could ask uh, Bill O'Reilly. You could say, if it's true that you were in math class with Howard at Boston University, you should be able to answer the following question. Robert and David played several golf mass- matches against each other in a week. They played for pizza at each match, but no pizzas were purchased until the end of the week. If Robert and David had the same number of wins at any time, those pizzas were canceled. Robert won four matches. David won three. How many rounds of golf were played? And if he's able to answer that, then maybe there's something to the fact that they went to Boston University together. Well, well I can't answer that. <laughs> Neither can I. Was- <laughs> So what about that specific question? I don't know. I was just trying to come up with anything I could come up <laughs> no, with. No, it's funny because these math books, they do stuff like that. They ask you these questions. I remember the first time, my first day in trigonometry. Now, how many years ago was that? I don't know. But they're like, you know, a train is traveling north at 30 miles per hour. Another train is traveling east at 18 miles per hour. 
when will the tra- the trains collide heading west? And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what do you? Know? I don't know, and I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Well, I believe Bill on this case. So okay. uh, let me go on record saying Bill O'Reilly is telling the truth, and as much as I admire Howard Stern, he's not telling the truth here. You know, you could just get him on more specifics. That's I, that's the only thing I would suggest. You well, know? give me like one more. Specific. You know, I think you could just ask him. Uh, did you ever have a conversation? What did you talk about? You know, that kind of thing, where you get right. some real sense of if he knew him at all, if it just or did you spot him from afar? Like, why would he stand out in college that but, but, you'd but, remember him all these years but later? Do you think the rest of the world cares about this no. outside of you and I? Probably not. <laughs> So you know our I, obsession with Stern and Bill O'Reilly. Does yeah. anybody else even care? No, no, nobody cares. No, but I but I want you to ask him anyway. I will ask him. You know, listen, I was in the studio right uh, when Howard called into Imus, and Bernard had just finished doing a Jason Williams bit. <laughs> he made fun of Beth Ostrovsky, Stern's wife. At the time, they weren't married, and it was it's a pretty nasty little jab in this comedy bit. And I was in the studio when Howard called. And hopped on the air with Imus. Whole thing lasted about 20 seconds, but it was historic. It was awesome. It was amazing. And Howard got all crazy. It was always the same shtick. Howard got all crazy, and Imus acted like, eh, I don't care. And maybe he didn't. I don't know. But he would even say stuff like, hey, I don't hate Howard. Fact is, he makes our stock higher. And he was all about money, Imus. So he would, he would deflect his real feeling on Howard and how upset he really was by saying things like, ah, I'm bigger and he's making our stock go higher. But I knew down deep Imus was effing furious. But he can control it. Howard couldn't. And still can. Howard still talks badly about Imus and he's dead for three years. Yeah. Well, and, you you know, there was a thought there might be like a final conversation when Imus did that yes. last show, what was it, yes. two years ago? Yeah. And I don't know if that we even reached out. Did we? Re- yes, we I, did? Reached out, oh, I reached out. I reached me personally because I'm the only guy who has a relationship with that show. I reached out personally to Gary Delabate, and uh, they wanted no part of it, none of it, none of it. In fact, they, <laughs> I hate to say this, but they were rather celebratory when the I Man did pass away. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> they weren't the only ones. Yeah. <laughs> so were you. I know. <laughs> you got today quick or uh, yeah, okay so this is really horrible right so everybody's smoking pot in new york city now i mean just doesn't matter where you go there's clouds of smoke and a lot of it is rolled joints right you can buy rolled joints now you don't have to roll them yourselves but there's this huge issue now that people you know they'll smoke that joint down right to the part where they burn their fingers and then they throw it on the ground and what's happening is we're hearing from all these veterinarians that dogs are eating the end of the joints and you can imagine like a 25 pound dog Dog eating the end of a burnt joint, and what we're, what's happening is all these dogs are getting stoned, and it's not like the kind of stone that people are. Well, it reminds me of the movie I just saw. Just saw it, Cocaine Bear. Yeah, yeah. The last movie for the late great Ray Liotta, where the bear they they drop off these smugglers, you know, all these bricks of cocaine somewhere in Tennessee, and the bear finds it, and I guess they say it's a true story, and the bear goes nuts. And actually snorts and eats all the cocaine and starts killing people at, like, an unbelievable rate. Something he wouldn't do ordinarily, but the coke drove him to do it. 
Is that what you're saying about the pot with yeah, the dogs? Well, this is like, you know, it's, it's serious for the dogs. They're ingesting THC. Here's a veterinarian that we spoke with. The drug THC is extremely toxic to dogs. They concentrate it in their bloodstream and it affects their central nervous system. Yeah, and there's this one woman, <laughs> uh, she owns a poodle who's named Bondi. And Bondi has ingested at least three joints on Manhattan sidewalks just over the last year. The latest time she describes what Bondi did when she, and she, now she recognizes right away that the dog has taken and eaten a joint. His eyes were just rolling all over the place. His head was just wobbling. He couldn't walk. Yeah. Sounds a lot like Ron Kuby on MSNBC this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. So the ASPCA, you're right. The ASPCA says, you know, Burn that joint down to your fingers and hold on to it, right? People used to put it in an ashtray but don't yeah. have ashtrays anymore. Yeah. Don't throw it on the street. The ASPA is telling us that um, that since pot became legal in the city, their um, numbers of calls of people saying that their dogs have accidentally ingested things like joints on the street have Jeez. skyrocketed 300%. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. All right. Well, thank you. That is a, an actually a very important message. Yes. So yeah. my, you know, one day week i try to do a public service but today was no we do love animals especially dogs on this show so thank you for that gnome all right we do have um bill o'reilly coming up next then bo deedle and jack curry talk radio 77 wabc entertaining and informative this is sit in friends in the morning 77 wabc There's so much to talk about with Bill. Locally, this Jordan Neely story, the next George Floyd, to Biden, to Trump, to the new whistleblower. I can tell you this. He was the best. He still is the best. He'll always be the best. And you can uh, search Lawrence Jones, which I think is a horrible pick. But you can search far and wide. Tucker Carlson did a good job. He was no Bill O'Reilly. There'll never be another Bill O'Reilly. The good news is he still does this whether it's 9 o'clock weeknights on WABC or the uh, mornings or 840 with me every Thursday, nobody better. And then, of course, his own website, BillOReilly.com. Great interviews, great columns, great TV work. He's just the best. The Killing Series, Killing the Witches, the newest one to come. They're all great, every one of those books. And, again, we're honored to have him here every Thursday. My dear friend, and I mean that sincerely, Bill O'Reilly. Bill, good morning. How are you, buddy? I'm all right. What's this uh, Howard Stern thing now? Is this new? Uh, yes. Yesterday, again, he was playing clips of you and I and talking about you and I. Yeah. You especially. What was he saying? Well, again, you brought up the same because you, you had mentioned Howard last week. But I put that to bed. Uh, I have a clip of him on the O'Reilly Factor with me discussing our time at Boston U. No, this was a different story, though. I don't remember exactly, because Justin can't find the audio, what you and I, why you brought up Howard last week at the very top of our conversation. You made like a joke. It was like a joke. Had nothing to do with Boston U. And anytime Bill O'Reilly is on this show, he mentions Howard Stern. For some reason, they play it back. So yesterday, twice, it was Bill O'Reilly on Sid Rosenberg's show, blah, blah, blah. And then he did, again, bring up Boston University. So just so you know... The Stern people, Bill, are keeping an eye on you. Anytime you mention him on this show, it ends up on his show. We, we didn't mention him in a negative way. No. I don't believe it. No. 
Not at all. You, it was a joke, and you were actually funny, and I think you were actually complimentary, not all negative. Right. Yeah. So, look, um, I don't know what they're doing over there. It doesn't matter to me. Um, he's uh, a pioneer and uh, still uh, on the air and more power to him, but I don't like this lie business, and I'm going to hit back hard on that. Um, the guy, and he was at Boston U., I was there as a graduate student. There was no math class. I don't know where that came from. Um, I don't even think Howard went to class. I mean, no, I shouldn't say it. I saw him a few times. The reason I noticed him was that uh, he was the only guy taller than me in the School of Public Communication. And he had a kind of a wild uh, do, hairdo. And then he denied that. And then I used his yearbook picture in, at BU. And look, it's just it's a small thing, but it's a big thing. So um, let me make the larger point. Um, Howard Stern was raised on Long Island in very tough circumstances and through his talent made it to the top of his profession. And everybody should acknowledge that. Okay, what he does uh, on his programs, I don't know. Because I don't listen to him because I'm working during the day when he's on Sirius. But when somebody says you're a liar and you're not telling the truth, that gets wide. That goes out on all of I, I had to deal with it on Mediaite, all right? And I'm going, this is insane. I've got a clip, and we're sending that clip over to you. You should have it. You can use it today. It might not come in when we're chatting, but I, it's a clip. Him and I talking about it, and then he goes, "I didn't have a long, a long hair." And then I show his yearbook picture. So it's small ball, but it isn't small. No, it is. It's not small because you're trying to erode uh, somebody's credibility and Correct. ridicule them. Correct. Correct. At the same time, right? And this happens all over the place. This is the shock jock playbook. Well, also, and don't forget, but, 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 but it's not just a shock jock playbook. Don't forget. That even though, you know, th- there's a misconception about you. And by the way, I hope you were listening when I stuck up to you and said, I believe you. And yeah, I, do. I, I, I do. I heard the whole sequence. Right, right. And I believe you. But there's a misconception, Bill, that you're like Rush. That you're this wacko, conservative, Trump buddy to the right. Yeah, but that's just propaganda. Yeah, I've no, been but, on but, WABC long enough that, that yeah, anybody but, who thinks that is delusional. Well, that's what Stern thinks. And you have to understand, Stern that's hangs out. Stern thinks? Yes, and he hangs out with Stephanopoulos and all these liberals out in the Hamptons who don't like you, or me for that matter. All right, well, you can grab a clip of him a few years ago saying the O'Reilly Factor is a good program. I'm sure. Yeah. Because it mean, was great. Like, okay, but it's it's... It's not what he says. It's not a personal thing with me. I I wish him the best. It's the you say it and then the websites pick it up as truth. Yeah. Let me give you a more serious example. I'm on the jury. Say I'm on the jury of this Trump fiasco uh, in New York City uh, involving this Miss Carroll. Okay. So I'm just sitting there and I don't know what happened. Who knows what happened? All right. This, what was this, in 1812 or something? I mean, it, it was decades ago. So the first piece of evidence is that the accuser, and these are heavy-duty accusations, doesn't know what year it happened. I'm on a, I'm on a jury. I'm going, yep. check, please. Can I go home now? Yeah. Yep. That's And I'm not trying to disparage 
anybody. I'm just saying to you, we have to live in a world of reality, but we don't. And all of this propaganda goes all over the country, and it destroys people, and it hurts kids, and it, it just is unbelievable. But to me, as a juror, as somebody who's impartial, I want justice. If something heinous happened to Miss Carroll, I'm going to listen and see if it happened and what I can do as a human being about it. But if you don't know what year it happened. That doesn't work well, no. Not only that, okay, so, yeah, not only that, but she called her best friend who was on the stand supposedly moments after and never told her she was raped. I don't, look, I don't want to get into the I'm not there. The jury is the jury, and I hope the jury does the right thing in whatever verdict they make. I'm just talking about me. I'm a simple man. I'm even more simple than you, Rosenberg. <laughs> and, and, I mean, you really got to go to be more simple than you. Yeah, that ain't easy. I'm simpler than you. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, okay, look, you've got to present yourself in a way that you have credibility. But the game is shred the credibility. Shred it. And, and look, again, I, I respect what Howard Stern did. I know where he came from. I know the neighborhood, and he got the hell kicked out of him there. Um, and he rose on his own with no corporate support to become a radio icon. But why he's got to do this stuff, I don't know. Couldn't agree more. But, you know, you talk, again, I'm totally with you. You know that. Uh, you talk about propaganda, though, and real life. So today's New York Post cover has another whistleblower. It's like the fourth one, Bill, that claims they got information that Joe Biden was bribed. He's taking money from different countries. So in respect to our conversation with you and Howard, about 60% of New Yorkers look at that and go, oh, my God. That's propaganda for the Republicans. And about 40% look at it and go, wow, he really is a criminal. But, again, it's one story, right, with one set of facts that is viewed, maybe one set of facts, that is viewed in two different ways, one propaganda, one truth. Well, that's because we're the United States of accusation now. That's what we are. And all accusations... As soon as people hear them or read them, they take a side. So I'm on News Nation with Cuomo last night, and this subject comes up. And you go, well, what do you think about this? And I go, I don't think anybody. I don't know anything about it. I'd like to see what the House Oversight Committee gets and presents to the public so I can make an informed decision. But I'm not going to condemn Joe Biden on an accusation. Why would I do that? And then Cuomo says, well, why don't we just haul uh, the director of the FBI, Christopher Wray, in and see what he knows? And I go, Cuomo, do you live in the land of Oz? Are you feeding Toto regularly? Christopher Wray is going to come in and say, I can't say anything about it. It's under investigation. That's what he always does. Yes. That's why we, the people, never get any information. Because they just do it and do it. Not saying, I can't. Oh, I can't. Yes, you can. There's no constitutional prohibition or legal prohibition of you, Christopher Ray, or anybody else in the Justice Department saying, you know, it's a serious situation. And, you know, from what we know now, we should have done X, Y, and Z or whatever. Or 
there's really nothing there. We looked into it. Right. Right. Okay, yeah. so we're being conned. That's the overall theme here, and that's what, you know why. That's why WABC has done so well in the last few years because most media outlets will con you, C O N, con you. Here on this radio station, you hear all kinds of stuff, and you then can step back and make your own decision. But anybody condemning Joe Biden off a whistleblower report is wrong. You know, you mentioned, uh, of course, right. So you were on with uh, Cuomo last night, and he was the last famous CNN personality to be fired uh, before Don Lemon, obviously. And now he's at News Nation. But it brought up uh, something to me, which is next Wednesday, Donald Trump will be on with me next Wednesday morning, 8.05 for 15 minutes. Later on that night, next Wednesday, he's going to go on CNN with Caitlin Collins and do a town hall. And the Trump supporter is furious. Why would you go on CNN? And the Trump detractor is even more angry. Why would CNN bring him on? So he's made nobody happy doing this. But what do you think about Donald Trump returning to CNN? Very smart. Really? Very shrewd. So CNN is, they can't go any lower in the ratings. They can't. All right. I mean, if they drop any more, you're going to they're going to have to put on reruns of my mother, the car. Remember that show? They're going to have to dig out Dolby Gillis or somebody because they can't go any lower than they are. So CNN says, hey, we're going to blow it up. Put on the former president. It'll get massive publicity and people will watch, by the way. All right. We're going to put them on to try to restart this engine so people will give us a lot. No, no, no. I understand why CNN would do it. Why would Trump do it? Well, let me get to that. So the totalitarians who destroyed CNN, the totalitarian left who doesn't want anybody having access to anything, these are the cancel culture people, all of that, all right? They're furious that a former president gets to say stuff on TV. I mean, why don't you people just move to Beijing? Then you don't want to have to put up with this, okay? Now, Trump himself is doing this for two reasons. Number one, it's a cupcake forum. I mean, Caitlin Collins is a very competent young journalist. Can she handle Donald Trump? Take, make your bets now. Sports King or whatever you people are doing. All right? <laughs> <laughs> I would say Trump not against yeah. Caitlin Collins. Yeah. Yeah. Who are you putting your money on? Yeah. And then the crew that comes in for the town hall are Republicans. There are no Democrats in that crew. So Trump gets a forum for an hour and a half or an hour, whatever it may be. You see whatever he wants to say. Yes, she'll challenge him, but he's a steamroller. All right. I can handle Trump. But very, very few people can. And the other thing is Trump wants to stick it to the Fox News channel. Right. Because their ownership is supporting DeSantis, which, by the way, their ownership is a perfect right to do. All right. There's not betrayal. The ownership of FNC thinks DeSantis would be better than Trump. Okay, that's fine. That's your opinion. But Trump doesn't like it. Trump says we made you. Um, and gave you all of these ratings, and now you, you've betrayed me. It's not quite that simple. I believe that Trump was elected because of Fox News Channel. 
Okay? So it was a two-way street there. But anyway, Trump is very, very smart to do it. CNN is smart to do it. A lot of people will watch it. How many think will watch it? I guess in that hour, they may hit three million, which they have never hit. Oh my God, no one has since you. I mean, Tucker did it. I shouldn't say that. Tucker did it. You know, Tucker, Tucker occasionally yep. would do uh, more than three million viewers, yep. but we did at the Factor my last quarter four million. Wow. My last quarter on the air six years ago, Jeez. we did four million, and then remember we were on at eleven two. We did another two million there, <laughs> so it was a six million cum, which nobody at cable news will ever approach again. And Agreed. I'm very proud of that, by the way, very proud of it. Um, and you know, I see all this garbage written about, you know, oh, but that's just my failing. You know, I'm. I should just. We did a great job there. We made them billions of dollars there. That's the legacy, and that's it. And by the way, Bill, testament to you, after that, and all what you just said is true, you didn't go away. And you're still doing very, very well financially. You've got a ton, a ton of loyal supporters. So people saw what you did, and even though Fox News, and they do try to ruin you once in a while. If it goes badly there, they will try to ruin you. Uh, It didn't work in your respect, and you remain as big now as ever, so congratulations. Well, and it, and I run my own show now. I mean, I don't have to answer to anybody in a corporation. I run the corporation. Right. And it, believe me, <clears throat> when it happened, when I left, it was unpleasant. And a lot of people attacked me, and a lot of people said that things that weren't true about me. Everybody gets hammered in this world, and that was mine, okay? But looking back, that was the best thing that could have happened to me because I got to spend more time with my children, yep. a lot more time. And we built this independent news agency into a colossus. I mean, actually, Wall Street Journal actually wrote some of the good stuff last week about me. I couldn't believe it. I mean, it's like, this is a Wall Street Journal writing this That's a about how successful yeah. we are. Yep. Okay? And I'm not going to brag about it because it's the folks. The folks are the ones. They're the deciders. And I just do the best I can do. And I'm 95 years old, and I'm still doing this. <laughs> 95, but you are still doing it, and uh, you're great. And we love having you on 840 every Thursday morning. It's the biggest segment of the week anywhere on this radio station. So thank you so much, and we'll all be listening at uh, 9 o'clock tonight. Continued success. Congrats on the Wall Street Journal column. When is uh, Killing the Witches? Oh, Which just comes out uh, September 23rd. I should know and that. When you get the clip, which I think you'll get momentarily, if you could just run a little, it's not long, of me and Howard talking about Boston U, I think the audience would be uh, interested to hear that. I'm going to play it as soon as All I right. get it, maybe 9.05. Thanks, Bill. Great job Appreciate as always. It. Thank you. There he is, the great Bill O'Reilly. Does an amazing job with me every Thursday morning at 8.40. And he's mad. <laughs> He was mad there. Did you notice that, Lou and Justin? He was mad. Yeah. He didn't like how it's fired back. Did you get that uh, comment yet from Makeda? I I just got it floating in right now. Did you listen to it? Yeah, I listened to it. How old is that comment? It's from January, I believe. Oh, just this year. It's it's from the original original instance when when, uh, Howard brought him up on our show saying, I never knew him. Right. So it's from that original. Okay. All right, we're going to find out the truth. This Bill O'Reilly versus Howard Stern war. 
Born the Bill O'Reilly camp, of course. I love Howard. Great. Best ever. I try to be like him every day. But my loyalty is at the Bill. We'll come back with the fourth and final hour of the great Bo Deedle, Jack Curry from the Yes Network, and more. Sitting friends in the morning. We'll be right back. You can't expect to never cry. Patience is bright. Not when you try to fly so high. Stupid lies. Rock and roll will never die. This is no social crisis. This is you having fun. Can't be burned by the sun. This is true. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Now we're going to play the Bill O'Reilly Howard Stern stuff coming up at 925, right after Bo Deedle and right before Jack Curry from the Yes Network. Jack's got a brand new book out about the 1998 New York Yankees, the winningest team of all time. So we'll do the O'Reilly Stern stuff coming up at 925. But we do put this time aside every Thursday morning. He's on twice a week. He's that good. 740 on the phone every Tuesday, 905 in studio every Thursday. Tremendous cop for the better part of two decades. Great actor, folks. Trust me. Great actor. And, of course, a dear friend of mine and a member of the the commission here, which consists of five, Peter King, Bo Deedle, Sid Rosenberg, Justin Ellick, and Lou Ruffino. And oftentimes we have to deal with some issues, some street issues, some show issues. And it has resulted in, in a few suspensions and even folks coming off suspension, like Curtis Slewa, for example. But there's a new person on the list, the host of The Other Side of Midnight, Frank Morano. Wow. <laughs> so there's been some allegations uh, brought up against Frank by Curtis Sliwa. Curtis has brought Frank's name to the commission. He would like to see Curtis Sliwa suspended. So we had to bring that right away to one of the, the stronger members of this commission, the great Bo Deedle. And here we are talking about Frank Morano. And, Bob, what do you have to say about this? No, we're looking to suspend Frank Morano, not Curtis. Oh, Frank, yes. Curtis has been off suspension. Well, yeah, after I threatened to punch him out the uh, last time that he was going against the family, he then rescindated, and he's with us now. He's back in the the fold. And I'm going to tell you something about this Frank Morano. First of all, I don't know who listens to him. I turn it on. I almost crashed my car. Enough with these flying saucers already. (laughs) Talk about interesting things. You know who's listening to you? Nobody. Nobody. You can have 50 rating. 50 rating. Four people sleeping, Frank. Now, let me decide. I'm on record. I have to do this. Yes. I find Frank to be incredibly smart, very entertaining. I love his show. Good. So let me get that on the record. Okay. And now you continue. Are you part of the family or what? I am in the family. All right. Now, we are one. And when we come in, we do an oath. And part of our oath, uh, when you become part of the commission, the worst thing in the world is to be a what? What, Sid? I'm going to go with a rat. A Sammy the Bull rat. <laughs> when I was running for mayor in New York City, this little punk, all of a sudden I'm running there and I'm trying hard to run. And I had the other Big Bird there, Ed Cox, against me. Everybody was against me. I wanted to take Big Bird out. He was afraid of me. He wasn't afraid of Malatakis. He was afraid of me. But they... 
They went C O C K block me. What do you call that? Oh, that would be a, a penis block. I can't yes, say yes. the other I word. I couldn't use the word. Yeah. So all of a sudden. Unless you're courting a rooster. Frank okay. Morano <laughs> starting with me, going back and forth with me. I call him up and I said, listen to me, you punk. I said, just stay out of this thing. I said, because I'll knock you on your well, butt. Hold on. Let's slow down. Go ahead. So you're telling me. Yes. That you, we all love you. Yeah. New York, I, I believe you're the most popular New Yorker. You. Are. Go ahead. That you're running for mayor to yeah. try to unseat the most corrupt criminal. The only criminal reason, that right, corruption. To right. get rid of him. And Frank Morano, mm-hmm. who otherwise I think is a good man, was had trying issues to block with me. you? No, he was trying to block Why? Me. What we were involved with was trying to get the independent line that, that Curtis had, or whatever it was. So all of a sudden I said to him, and he was saying some negative things. I got him on the phone. I said, listen to me. You don't know me that well. I said, I'll knock you on your back. Boom. So he recorded me, this punk. You know what he did? And he gave it to the New York Post. Probatum. That's a rat. Get him some cheese. <laughs> and you know who my main witness is going to be? Who? Mr. Curtis Sliwa. But wait a second. Curtis is a felon. That will Mr- be like bringing Michael Cohen to the Excuse me? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Excuse me? Yeah. He's paid his dues. He's been locked up many times. 76, I think. But he's paid his dues. <laughs> yeah. He's one of my witnesses to this. And, you know, it's very simple. You could Google take the New York Post, and you could see the rat talking to the New York Post with a recording from me. So that means he can record you, Sid, Lou, or even Mr. Casamitidis. He could record you, too. So be careful about the rat, because once a rat, we don't let him back in the family. And he should be suspended. A rat is a rat is a rat. Would you have Sammy Bull as a part of yours? We oh. hate rats. Wow. This is a true story? Oh, yes, sir. That he actually recorded a conversation yes. and gave it to the Post. Yes. Now, I and want let you him to deny know, it under oath. Well, he may because <laughs> he, he, is, he is coming in with Alan Dershowitz oh, yeah. and Ron Kuby yeah. and a dream team of lawyers. Yeah, good for him. And uh, you <laughs> want to know something? He could depose me for saying what I'm saying. And I got the recording. And we got the information for the Post. So come on here. You think you know about the law? I like what he, I like what he's doing, but when he's suing, uh, I like what the he's judge, doing. the yeah. judge. Yes, yes, that's yes. a good deal, right? That's good a deal? good deal. Right. Hey, listen, Frank Morano, explain. Let me explain something to you. I'm not angry with you. I'm just very upset because in my life we don't like rats. That's true. If we're part of the yeah. family yeah. and we're part of, we're doing things, Sid, and you get caught, you go to friggin' jail. <laughs> you do your time. You don't become a rat because you know where rats go. They eat cheese. Get out of it. So, but if this turns out to be a true story, Lou, I got to go to you quickly. If this turns out to be true, and Frank Morano and I profess my love for him all the time, uh, of course, Bo is family. If this turns out to be true, and he recorded Bo and gave it to the Post, I don't know if I can forgive that that quickly. I I don't know. It's big stuff. That's a big deal. Professing right. I mean, Bo is that's that's a that's a bomb you just launched. Well, you know, and I'm going to tell you something honestly. I've been trying to be nice with him, but every time I think about this, you know, I mean, he's never apologized. Never. Never apologized. He can't deny it because the facts are the facts and have all the evidence in the world. Let's see what he says. Come on there, Frankie boy. Let's see what you say. You did it, okay? Maybe you're sorry for doing it, but it should be a lesson. I would be careful, Mr. Katsimatidis. I'd be careful all your attorneys. This guy could be recording you, okay? <laughs> when you're a rat, you're a rat. Let's get off this all thing right. now. All okay, right. now. That was very entertaining. Thank let's you. move along. Yeah. I've really been thinking about something, right? And I've been talking about these transgenders, transformers, whatever you want to call them. And then I did my own little research because I'm a detective, right? And I found out 
How many transgenders do you think there are in the United States of America? How many, Sid? Well, I say this all the time. Why are we spending so much time worrying about these people? I know they, they kill themselves. How many, Sid? I'm going to go with uh, transgenders less than 1%. 0.3%. I'm right again. Here we go. Now, listen. And what do they do? They control education, government, military, police, corporations, advertisers, every aspect Nuts. of our lives. Why? 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 And let me give you. I know you... why. You want to know why? Because Frank Morano recorded them. Probably. <laughs> well, listen to this. Here's another shocking one. I did a little more research. And the research came out. What percent of people who are transgendered. Yeah. Tried to commit suicide or committed suicide. One percent of a hundred percent. Come on, Sid. I'm going to go with fifty percent. Bingo. Is that true? Fifty percent attempt suicide. Very, very, very good, Sid. Thank you. Another thing is here. Let's get to the bottom line. Five, six-year-old children. I got a seven-year-old grandson. I love him. I'd be damned. They're teaching my son about penises and vaginas. Stop the nonsense! And that that ugly-looking woman, what's her name? Randy Weingold. The one that was sucking on Fauci. That oh, one. Randy Weingold. Look Wingard. at what she's doing now. <laughs> yeah, look she's, she's disgusting. Doing right now. Yeah. Leave my children grow up. Let them look at Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. Stop teaching them this garbage. That's why our country is going into I totally soft. agree. Now, the big thing, the most important thing is the new current news about another whistleblower. Yeah, what do you think about all I these think, whistleblowers? Well, you I think, think they're all real, all I of them? think they're 100% real. And that little kid that you stuck up for, I brought it up on Dr. my podcast, yeah. on my podcast yeah. about the missiles, about the satellites. Bo, this is true. Now, my big problem is... No, just, just to go with that, I didn't exactly stick up with the kid. What I said is the, the fact that a kid has that information speaks to a much larger problem. Who are the adults in the room at the Pentagon that allow a 21-year-old kid to put stuff like that in a chat room? He belongs in jail. I said that a hundred times. He belongs in jail, but there's a much bigger problem. Okay, but now it's a little bigger than that. This thing all started back in 2014 and 15 with the barista and all yeah, that. Yeah. Now we got information from another whistleblower, which I'm sure is there. My big problem is when your friend Donald Trump became the president, when he was elected the president yeah. of the United States of America. So, so he was your friend before he was my friend. Well, he's my friend still. <laughs> you know, look, if I knew he could win, I'd be there. Right. But listen, right then and there, he had the Senate and he had the Congress. Why didn't he use them to go after this cheating then? You, the Attorney General, and don't wait for Garland, the baloney Garland there, because I'm going to take something right now. Good question. All these different two years we had control, and I'll tell you right now, we're going to lose control of Congress. They'll drag it out, and Garland ain't going to do nothing. If this Congress don't put it into retro speed, these will all be gone, all these investigations. They take over the Congress. Garland be sucking on his thumb, and that little guy, Conchita Rivera, what's his name? Mayorkas. Mayorkas. What <laughs> do you think is going to happen? What are talking about? They'll get rid of all these guys. You don't understand something. I'm with you. They will drag it out. Of you course. You think Garland's going to indict no. Uh, no. Uh, Biden? That's why Trump has to win. Well, the point is this. Yeah. You can't drag it out. Once we lose the Congress again, we have lost this country. And right now, all the guys over here, you have your friend Ron Johnson, got by a blink in there, in lies, indict the mother, indict the mother. Right. Put Garland, put Garland 
if I was ahead of that thing with the senator, like, I'm, yeah. come here, Colin. <laughs> well, here's the information. Why aren't you indicting Blinken for lying before I, he, my listen, subcommittee? He's trying. McCarthy and Ron Johnson and even the guy Mike Lawler oh. on with me this morning, they hear your plea, Bo. They hear my plea. They're trying, but it's not that easy. Listen to me. Right now. If the facts were all there yeah. and the truth comes out about with Hunter Biden involved with all these money coming out of Ukraine. And I'll tell you right now, I will guarantee you we sent $100 billion over to Ukraine. I'll guarantee you the Biden family's making 10 percent of that. Where is it all going? There's no checks and balances. I know. And you, want you, to hear, you hear me fight with Peter Putin, King about this all the but time. But Putin is playing right into it. You think those drones flew all the way from Ukraine to Moscow? Give me a break. This is Putin setting it up so he can level Ukraine. Don't you get it? What are we, that's, that dumb not to realize one thing? Putin is doing this on purpose. They weren't from Ukraine. Now he's got the green light. Not that he didn't have before. He's killed more women and children than adults, this punk. And now we're playing right into his hands. And I'm going to tell you something right now. It just kills me. It kills me. And one more thing. Hold on. Before I get too upset, okay. We still before need, you get too upset, yeah. We, we still need <laughs> prayers for Joe Esposito. I know he's listening, Joe. We love you, and I, I hope everything works out. You went out. to see Joe, right? Yes, You're I was. A real I friend. was in the hospital. You're such a good guy. And then one more terrible thing: I'm going to funeral. Stephen Fisher. I know he Arnold died. Fisher's son. Yes. died at 63 then, years uh, old. Didn't he build Bo, all that housing? Yeah, the uh, the uh, the Fisher houses. Yes. And then we did the intrepid hospital down there. We raised 80 million. Yes. A great Bill family. White, Bill White, right? Yeah, yeah. An incredible family, and we lost Stephen Fisher. Oh. He lost his son at 12 years old. Oh. Went for an overdose of what's that stuff where where they they drug you up a little bit so you don't have pain. What morphine, morphine. Morphine death. Yeah. yeah. And he he. Lost See, if, if, if Bo and I ever played Passport together, we yeah, win every time. Because I, I know everything he said. Let me tell you something. I was at the University of Virginia, one of the Congratulations. Finest, and I went to Monticello, and I learned all about it. You know what? A good Jew named Levy took over Monticello and fixed it up. Because when the, when the family of Thomas Jefferson and the president of Virginia University said, over my dead body will you take him down, that statue that. of Thomas Jefferson. Love it. But a lot of people don't know. The family went in almost into bankruptcy. They had to sell everything. And then the Levy family came in. The Levy family came in and re uh, bought all the stuff back. What a beautiful place. Take your kids to Monticello and go to the University of Virginia. It's beautiful, yeah. and the people are good. So they actually had me speak before the engineers uh, graduating class. Wow. And they flew me down there and all that. And I tell you what, I walked around Monticello and I started reading. But one thing people don't know about Thomas Jefferson, on his stone, on his gravestone, he talked about freedoms of people. And a lot of people don't know he had six children with one of the black women that was a slave that right, time. Right, right. And, 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 and in reality, Thomas Jefferson believed in freedom. And that's why the Levy family took it over, because he was a libertarian. And he wasn't one of these politicians like John Adams and all. You study this guy. I say, instead of studying studying about cutting your penis off, how about studying American history, what these people did for the freedoms we got? Then we got, then we got people from another country coming over here telling us your constitution is, is wavering. We want to change it. Stay wherever you are. Don't come to my country and try to change this great country. We built this. People died for this country. And you're going to come over here and tell me you don't like it? Well, if you don't like it, stay where the hell you want. And your friend, your friend Adams, my friend too. Why isn't Adams saying, look, you know why they're coming to New York? 
Why wouldn't you come to New York? Free housing, education, food. But I don't like that food. I get up, I, you got a one-bedroom apartment. It's too small. I can't make my rights there. Why wouldn't you come to New York? You got bus cars. You got subway cars. Education in our colleges. If we didn't do that, Sid, maybe they wouldn't come here. And then, and, and, you know, it, it goes on and on. And again, again, all I got to say is, and I'm sorry for getting so upset. I'm sorry, sorry to get so upset. But our, our lives, if we don't win this election coming up, and if what you said earlier to that uh, congressman, they're going to re-identify the, uh, the, the, the congressional seats. We might, lose the, yeah. we might lose the Congress. We might. We might lose the Congress before the next election. Yeah. My point is people got to realize this is not Republican. This is not Democrat or independent. This is what our system was. And read the Declaration of Independence and read the Constitution and know how and why this country was formed. And I'm not Mark Levin. I graduated high school. But you know what? I have a doctorate like you said. We have a doctorate of the streets. Streets. From actual, actually doing it and understanding things and weighing things out, the good and the bad. And you, you moderate. You be moderate. Don't be lefty. Don't be a righty. But now we're facing the trial of our lives right now. You have over 10 million illegals in this country. And I will guarantee you of those 10 million, you have a large number of the criminal element. That little punk there from Mexico that killed the five people. He was deported four times. Let's deport him again. Dun, 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 dun. He's got a friggin' raft to go across the Rio Grande. Ready! And he'll be right back in there. Yes, How did he get a gun? How did he get a gun? Tell me. He walked in the store. Hey, my name is Julio Gonzalez. I live in Mexico. I need that AR-15. Where are the checks and balances there? And I'm telling you something, Sid. Thank God for you and John Katzenbatidis, WABC, because I could talk the way I do now. And people will listen to me. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. I had one of my Democratic friends tell me that Biden's doing a great job. Oh, stop it. I, I, you know, I did uh, after yeah, that. Yeah. I haven't drank in a while. I took two of those 1942s <laughs> and I shot them down real quickly. I couldn't deal with. It. Okay, yeah. please, everybody, talk to your friends. Talk. This is the Waterloo of our country. Well said. We have to get checks and balances. How dare the Justice Department be controlled by political efforts? And that, to me, is the biggest offense. That's the biggest threat to our country, along with that ugly woman from the teachers' union, <laughs> that piece of garbage that was sucking on Faust. Randy Weingarten. Yeah, that one, too. That's why he's on twice a week, folks. 7.40 every Tuesday morning by phone. Love you, man. I love you more. And I love all you listeners. I love all Thank you listeners out there, and I, I hope I don't offend anybody, but all I do in my life is try to speak out for the good people, and you're all good people. You love your families. You love this country. Let's fight for it. We have to fight for it. Jack Curry, Yes Network, a book about the 1998 New York Yankees and the O'Reilly Stern cut. All that coming up after a tremendous appearance by the great Bo Dito. We'll be right back. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Yankee baseball. We're going to save the O'Reilly Stern clip for right after Jack Curry. So we're going to play it. We're going to play it at 940 this morning and maybe even one more time tomorrow so we can get to the bottom of this. Howard Stern calling my friend Bill a liar and it's just not true. So we're going to play that clip coming up. 
Been a great show already today. Mike Lawler was terrific. Judge Napolitano, Bill O'Reilly, Bo Deedle. That Yankee baseball is for a brand-new book that's out. I really like this guy on television. I think he's great on the Yes Network. We've met a couple of times. Don't know him very well, but I am a big fan. And his new book is The 1998 Yankees, The Inside Story of the Greatest Baseball Team Ever, Jack Curry, making his debut on Sid and Friends in the morning. Jack, good morning, buddy. How are you? Hey, Sid, it's great to talk to you. Thanks for those kind words, and thanks for taking the time to talk to me about my book. You got it. I am a big fan. I think you do a great job on the Yankee telecast. I really do. And uh, I like the way you approach it. But I, I will get to the title in a second because that's debatable, not based on numbers, I understand, but that's debatable. But this current Yankee team really struggling, and if the Rays beat the Pirates today, the Yankees will start this huge series against Tampa Bay Nine back on May the 5th. Worry time, Jack, or not yet? You know what, Sid? I was out at Yankee Stadium yesterday. Brian Cashman, the general manager, sat in the first base dugout and fielded questions for about a half an hour. And we asked him what you just asked and about 30 other questions. And I don't think the Yankees ever expected to start 17 and 15. I think they thought they'd be better at this point. The injuries have been a problem. But once you say that, you can't blame the injuries because you need to have depth. I think the thing that you have to lean on if you're a Yankee or a Yankee fan is that it's a long season. And I could give you examples of the Phillies floundering last year and getting to the World Series. And a few years back, the Washington Nationals starting 19-31 and winning a World Series. You don't want to go down that path. And as you just mentioned, the gap between them and the Rays, you don't want this to be a lost weekend. And suddenly you're, you're staring at that double-digit deficit. But I think what they, the Yankees have to hope for, Sid, is to – keep their heads above water until they get some of their injured players back. Yeah. I think that it would go further, what you just said, if the Yankees at this point, Jack, weren't 14 years removed from winning a World Series. I'm not saying they can't contend wild cards or those types of things, but you got to go back to 2009. And at least since Steinbrenner took over mid-1970s, I know they had the, the, the uh, drought with Mattingly, but – didn't seem to go that long in between World Series championships. And Stanton is hurt quite a bit, and Judge is hurt again. So I think Yankee fans are accepting that stuff less based on that statement. Is that fair? Yeah, I think you're right. And I, within the Yankee organization, and I talk to these folks all the time, they're, they're disappointed too. I mean, the Yankee mandate under George Steinbrenner was win a championship every year. And if you don't, it's a failure. I always thought that was a, a tough mandate to live up to because only one team is going to win, and you could have a great season and fall just short. I, I do think that when they get back and they get themselves healthy, if everybody comes back, I think there's a team there that can contend for a championship. But, Sid, it's, it's Rodon who hasn't thrown a pitch yet. Yeah. It's getting Stanton back, who's probably not back for another month. Severino is starting a minor league rehab right now, so we're, we're not talking about them being whole for a while. Rodon especially. I mean, that was the big gun they brought in from the Giants this offseason. They gave him a ton of money. Justin Verlander, I know, makes his first start today for the Mets, so hasn't worked in Queens either. And they're also kind of about the same record as as the Yankees, but uh, thank God the Braves are not the Rays uh, at the start of this season. But Rodon has really been a huge disappointment because he was the big gun and hasn't thrown a pitch. Right, and I was at his press conference the day the Yankees signed him, spoke to him, excited about being in New York. And, Sid, I do think when he eventually gets on the mound, I do think Yankee fans are going to like this guy because he's got some moxie, and he's got 
some feistiness in his personality about going out there and basically saying to pitchers, uh, batters, I throw two pitches. I throw a fastball and a slider, and I don't think you're going to be able to hit any one. It's unfortunate that we haven't seen him on the mound yet because other than signing Judge in the offseason, obviously this, this was their big move, and fans haven't gotten a chance to see him pitch yet. 25 is the number for Jack Curry, who does a terrific job on the Yes Network. His new book is out, The 1998 Yankees, the inside story of the greatest baseball team ever, whether it's a 25-man roster, 25 years since that epic 1998 season, or 100, 25 wins. 25, that's your number. Uh, 1998 was an amazing year, and, of course, it ended with a four-game sweep of the San Diego Padres, Lairitz's Padres, uh, in that World Series. Yeah, you look back at that team, Jack, and then go the win total, say it's the greatest Yankee team ever. I'm sure the guys in the 20s would argue with that. But based on win totals, you can't argue it. Do you really feel in your heart of hearts that 98 team was the best Yankee team ever? I do, Sid, and I I devote 280 pages to this team, and, and there is analysis in there that leads me to my conclusion. And I don't have enough time on your show to dig into all of it, but I will also say this. I interviewed John Thorne who is Major League Baseball's official historian. Yeah, he's great. He could tell you things about baseball from 1876. That's how esteemed and how knowledgeable John is. And when I called him and we talked about a half a dozen different teams and we brought up the Big Red Machine and the 27 Yankees and the 39 Yankees, John Thorne, who was paid by Major League Baseball to be its official historian, he picked the 98 Yankees. So all of that is wow. in the pages of this book. And I think you need to have dominance, Sid, and – Obviously, no one can touch Ruth and Garrick and the 27 Yankees. But you brought up something within your last comment, 25-man roster. If you go player by player and look at how many contributions the Yankees got from their roster that year, that just spoke to me of, of dominance, and it spoke to me of a team where everyone knew his role. I'm going to tell you something that's going to sound crazy, okay? The 77 Yankees, Chambliss, Randolph, Dent, Nettles, Munson, Reggie, uh, with Kidry at the top of that rotation, I think in a one-game certainly, but in a seven-game series, despite winning a lot less during the regular season, that to me was a more dangerous team than the 98 Yanks. But that's what makes this great. I know. Because you and I, when we're <laughs> off air, could debate this. I would come back at you and say the Yankees won 114 regular season games. The 77 team won 100. The Yankees had a run differential of over 300. Whereas the 77 Yankees, their run differential was under 200. And I'm not looking to belittle the 77 Yankees. I love that you feel that way. In fact, Sid, in a section of this book, I list about 15 teams and say this may be the team you think is the best one. And that's what makes that's this awesome. debate so great. That is awesome. And, and look, what a, this, you have to read this. The 1998 Yankees, the inside story of the greatest baseball team ever, Jack Curry. Just this conversation alone has me all fired up, and I'm a Met fan, but I'm <laughs> being honest. Uh, but you look I back. I the 86 Mets, Sid. I give the 86 Mets their due. Yeah. So they're the, in there, too. Yankees were better. 86 Mets. And, look, don't even get me started. I know we got back to the NLCS two years later, Oral Hershiser, but David Johnson should have won four championships. But uh, going back to that team, the beauty was, again, with all the guys they put around that baseball team, the Brocious's, the Tino Martinez's, you always go back to that core four, really core five, but the core four, and I think that will forever go down in Yankee lore because you really can't say that about any other great Yankee team, the 20s teams, the late 70s teams. That core four will always hold a special place, 125 wins or not. 
you go back to Gene Michael, who held so many titles with the Yankees, and I had many a baseball conversation with him. And, Sid, you're a baseball fan, and you know this. You want to be strong up the middle, and you want to build talent from within. Well, who did the Yankees have? We're going to go right up the middle. Posada behind the plate, Pettit and Rivera, and Rivera on the mound, Jeter at shortstop, Oof. Bernie Williams in center field. Oh my God. Those are the five guys you just <laughs> mentioned. And they played for the Yankees forever. So, And they, they four out of five, the Yankees win during that stretch. So you're absolutely right. That, that core of players was a big part of the nucleus of that 98 team as well. One of my favorite players, or people I should say, baseball people ever, was Don Zimmer. Not because he got in a fist fight with Pedro Martinez. Which, to the <laughs> same, uh, and people don't realize he was on, I think, the only Brooklyn Dodger team to ever beat the Yankees, the 55 uh, Brooklyn Dodgers. But he went on to become a great manager. All those years in Boston, that 77 team, and those were, those were really good Yankee-Red Sox rivalries. Bucky Dent, of course, comes to mind first. But I know in your book, Jack, Don Zimmer says, without any hesitation, the 98 Yankee team was, in fact, the greatest of all time. Coming from Zim, that's a big deal. Yeah, he told Brian Cashman that season, you won't see another team like this in your lifetime. And that resonates because of what you just said, Sid. We're talking about a guy who, by the time he passed from this earth, had been in baseball, I think, almost 70 years, played with Jackie Robinson, had seen so many teams. And Sid, Don was a straight shooter. I went up to Zim once because I was writing a story about Bernie Williams and the potential for Hall of Fame. And Zim said, I love Bernie. I think Bernie is a tremendous player. He said he falls a little short for me. How easy would it have been him to have said, yeah, sure, Bernie's a Hall of Famer. Right. He, he was an honest baseball man and, and someone who, uh, like you, I, I love talking baseball with him. Well, I got to tell you, this was a great conversation. The book is a must-read, folks. You've got to get it. The 1998 Yankees. Now, you, like me, we watch Jack Curry every night on the US Network in the Yankee games. But you're going to want to read this, the inside story of the greatest baseball team ever, that great 1998 New York Yankee team. I wish you nothing but the best of luck, Jack. It's a great book. It's a great topic. And continued success with your TV career with the Yankees. You're absolutely great. Thank you so much. Sid, thanks for having me. If I cook, I do a quick plug. I'm doing sure. a book signing at Books and Greetings in North Vale, New Jersey, tonight at 6 o'clock. So come out to North Vale, New Jersey. We'll have the same conversation Sid and I just had. That is a great bookstore. That is a great bookstore. Books and Greetings, North Vale, New Jersey. Go check out Jack Curry. Go buy the book. So you're going to do like a little Q&A with the, with the fans? I will talk to to everybody who comes up. And I have baseball cards, too, Sid. I'm going to be the Santa Claus of the uh, day. You, you come great. up, if you beat me in a trivia question, I'll give you a baseball card. That's awesome. It won't be, uh, it won't be some backup from the 70s. They'll be good cards. It's not going to be Fred Stanley or Mickey Klutz? Uh, I'll let you say that. I'll give you some David Cones and some Bernie Williams. Now you're talking, Jack. 6 p.m. tonight, Northdale, New Jersey. Books and greetings. Good luck, Jack. Great job. Thank you. Great talking to you, Sid. You too. God bless you. Jack Curry, folks. Yes, Network. Check him out tonight. Northvale, New Jersey. It's a great place. Books and greetings. 6 p.m., the 1998 Yankees. The inside story of the greatest baseball team ever. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Boy. Now, it's time for Sid's Take. Sid's Take. Sid's Take, yeah. Good luck. It's Sid's Take, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. All righty, abbreviated version here. 
Justin Ellick, your host for the game, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Fearless Boilers. Go to fearlessboilers.com, pavilionteclist.com, find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. We got Anthony in Long Island. What's going on, Ant? Living the dream, bro. All right, baby. Uh, so uh, we got a bit of a different version of the game today. It's still three for Thursday. I'm going to give you three words, and then you have to give me the word that can complete each of those three words. All right? All right. All right. So here we go. Try number one. Let's try number one. Your three words. Jig, C, and hack. There you go. He's got it. He's got it. Yeah. He gets it. On to number two, Ant. One for one. Net, clock, and team. Net, clock, team. Net. Stop. Oh, no. Correct answer there would be work. Network, clock, work, teamwork. On to number three. Gotcha. One for two. Tele, Polly, and Bar. Tele, Polly, and Bar. Need oh it. Need it now. Check? No. Correct answer there would be graph, telegraph, polygraph, bar graph. On to number four. One for three. Credit, Soviet, labor. Union. There you go. Spectacular. Two for four. On to number five. In an attempt to go three for five. Blind, expiration, due. Date. There you go. Spectacular. Very good, Ant. Three for five. Yeah. We'll keep you out on hold. Get the big guy's uh, turn coming up here. This is going to confuse I'm the hell so out of pissed, him. I'm so pissed off at Howard's turn, you have no idea. Because right. well. you know, he's saying things about Bill O'Reilly, and I won't allow it. So I'm going to have to play O'Reilly's cut today and tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Well, then we got to blow through this so you have time. Hurry up. Let's go. All right. So uh, I'll give you three words today. you got to give me the word that completes each of the three words, okay? Got it. That's your three for Thursday. Anus. Number one. What? <laughs> Number one. Jig, C, and hack. C and hack. Dugan. Oh, oh my God. So close. Yeah. So close. Saw. Jigsaw. Seesaw. Hacksaw. Yeah. 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 You can use your brain, you know, by the way. Shut up. Okay. You're On to number two. <laughs> Net, clock, and team. Net, clock, and team. Yes. Flavor Flav. <laughs> <laughs> It's on a team. Okay. Work, network, clockwork, teamwork. Yeah. Yeah, Right again, you just turn it on and then we could use it. Okay. Okay, here we go. Number three. Tele, Polly, Bar. Tele, Mm -hmm. Polly. Polly. Polly? Polly. P-O-L-Y. What is that? P-O-L-Y. Polly. Yeah. Tele, Polly, and what's the last one? Bar. Bar. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Phone! No, no, uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. The correct answer there is graph, telegraph, <laughs> polygraph, bar graph. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be an overbuy? It, it, it <laughs> probably know. will be. Number four. Let's get the sombrero. Right. You, you got to get this one. Credit, Soviet, labor union. Okay, thank you. So it does work. It does work. <laughs> He's on. All yeah. over it. 
Okay. I kind of yeah. like this game. I, I mean, mean, it shows up how stupid I am, but that's yeah. fine. There you go. <laughs> On to number five. Blind. Blind. Expiration. And due date. Oh, my God. Oh, no, 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 no. All right. Well, you still lost pretty handedly, I might add. No. Did no. Anus really didn't fit into any of these guys. No, 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 no. Neither no. did uh, the other <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> answer you gave. It was close. Gave. That one got uh, thrown Well, thank you. That was a fun yeah. game. Who wrote that? You did? I, 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 no. Uh, 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 I don't know. Well, Barack you, Obama wrote it. Because <laughs> Macedonia <laughs> Phil used to write stuff, but they kicked him off the show. So. Yeah, and now it tore his ACL, so nobody <laughs> even knows right. Well, you're doing a great job at all of it. Can't even walk to the desk. Yeah. So you want to go to break and come back with the last segment and play O'Reilly and Stern? We have Let's do that. Go break. Yeah. It's Sid's Take, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. So Howard Stern is uh, angry with me uh, because I went on WABC radio, which I do, you know, frequently. They're our flagship radio station. And I talked about how uh, I attended Boston University and Howard Stern was there. Okay, And I knew who he was because he was the only guy in the school of communication was taller than me. And he had a, an afro. OK, so Stern tells his audience yesterday, I'm going to play you the clip in a minute, uh, but put his picture up there. The reason I said he had a fro is because he had a fro. <laughs> There it is. Okay. Now he says he didn't have it, that he had long stringy hair with a ponytail, but there's the graduation picture, Howard. Now he gets on the air yesterday uh, and he rips me up. Go. And he started in again about how he knew me at Boston University, which is just a total f- lie. Why do you even come up? You're not friends with him. You don't know him. I Why don't is he know the guy. About him? You. I don't, I don't know. Howard. So on December 8th, 2005, Mr. Stern appeared on The Factor. Go. We're both raised in working-class families on Long Island, okay? Stern and O'Reilly. We both wind up at Boston University at the same time. That's right. We're terriers together, okay? We both reached the top of our professions. Ten million in one shot for me. Eight hundred billion in one shot to me. Now, why am I bothering with this? This kind of stuff gets on social media. Right? Stern attacks O'Reilly. Stern calls O'Reilly a liar and all of that. And then it gets into the record, okay? People believe. They believe this. Now, Stern probably just mi- misremembers, okay? I'm not, I wasn't friends with him at BU. I just knew he was. I think he knew I was. So I was a big columnist for the newspaper there. But it didn't matter. He acknowledged that we, he knew we were there together. And then on his program yesterday, he goes, I don't know the guy. Ah, it's not important other than the pickup by social media. It goes everywhere. So every famous person, every athlete, every politician gets attacked. And even if the attacks are false, boom, it's everywhere. This is a horrendous problem in this country. And that's why I've showed you that. There you have it, Bill O'Reilly. That was from his show. And I believe O'Reilly. You know, again, I, I I admire Howard. I love Howard, and for you know for what it's worth, I mean Howard, and he'll call me a liar now, but he did have me on the show a couple of times. One epic forty-five minute interview, which was uh, a highlight of my career, and uh, Scott Perrell called in. It was just nuts. Then Howard allowed me the honor of hosting one of his most popular shows on Howard TV, Whack Pack Bowling, which was an amazing experience. And uh, I remain steadfast in my opinion that Stern is the best radio personality by a million miles. A million. And I feel the same way about Bill O'Reilly. 
when it comes to cable TV, network TV, all these, all this in our genre. He is to this genre what Howard has been to that talk radio genre. So I love both guys, but my loyalty here is to Bill, and I believe Bill will play it again tomorrow. Howard's off, of course, today and tomorrow. He only works Monday through Wednesday. We'll await Howard's response sometime next week. And, folks, don't forget, check out Bo Deedle's podcast. He was on again this morning. 905 was amazing. True crime story. Bo Deedle, true crime story. Check that out. One of the great podcasts here at Red Apple Media. We done. We'll all be back again, God willing, tomorrow morning for a Friday show at 6 a.m. Until then, from all of us here on Sitting Friends in the Morning, to all of you, peace. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.